coming up in this episode. Like I'm not a big believer in like this, you know, tech miracle thing where we're going to suck all the carbon out of the air and, you know, like uh, allowing us to stick to our sustainable way of living. Mm. Um, but I do believe, though, that tech is an amazing potential for coordinating people. Um, and also facilitating their lives and, and removing friction. It's also okay just to be okay at something because sometimes that's all you need. You don't need to be great yeah. at it. You just need it to be done. In fact, the chances are it will probably be quite shit to begin with, and that's okay. At least it's being done. And to your point, you, you will learn from it. You will get better at it. And the problem is a lot of people I speak to, especially, they're just paralyzed by the fact that they, it needs to be done and they don't know how to do it, that it never happens. And that's that's not useful for anyone. I think it also it also makes more sense on the business side of things, right? I'm being very transparent here. Like, why would I ask you as a business to pay me if I'm not providing you with like like exponential utility, right? I mean, right. like give like my rule is more give, give, give. And once you've given enough, then you're legitimate to ask. But don't go and ask guys like pay us, pay us for what? Like what the fuck? Like uh, you guys are like uh, three users. The Founders Unplugged podcast, hosted by Greg McCallum. Raw, unedited conversations with entrepreneurs and startup founders. Ah, I just sent you a message. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just saw the time I was like, oops, I'm three minutes late. Ah, it's okay. It's all right. You've got to be fashionably late to these things. How are you? All good, all good, thanks. Yeah, I wasn't doing it on purpose, but uh, yeah, all good. How are you, uh, Greg? All good? Yeah, yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, very well, very well. I just had a very stimulating conversation with a founder about an amazing product, so I'm all pumped, pumped nice. for today. Yeah, so you know when you see something that you're just like, that's clever, you know? Nice, nice, <laughs> yeah, nice. yeah, and, and you know, good social impact and all that kind of stuff. It just gets my juices flowing. This is why I love talking to founders, because you guys, you know, you're my lifeblood. I'm like a vampire that just sucks on, vampire blood, uh, on founder blood to keep me alive. That's what it is. Nice. So, yeah. Keeps me going. But tell me, what's been going on with you since we last spoke? What have you been up to? Uh, well, uh, quite a lot, actually. Like, we are really focusing on the launch of our product. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know where to start, to be honest. Like, uh, a lot of things to do. We have, like, beta testers who reported a couple of things. So we're fixing the product, working on communications, partnerships, lots of things going on on the professional side of things. Uh, so it's, it's, it's exciting, definitely. So juggling, juggling. Yeah. All, the, all the plates in the air and everything like that. Well, that's awesome, man. I'm really glad to hear. We'll definitely get more into that in a second. So, um, look, I, I, there's not much structure to this show, right? It's a it's a conversation. That's like how I explained it to you before. But there is one piece of structure that I like to do from the beginning, and that's just to have my guests introduce themselves, tell it, tell it, tell those listening or watching a bit about you and the business, um, and then we'll get into it. Sure. Uh, sound wise, how do I sound? Uh, all good, or should I put my headset? Very, uh, very relaxing. That's how you sound. Okay, cool. Um, I can I can listen to an audio book of your voice. You sound wonderful. Wow. Okay. Well, you know how to put your guest in the right uh, in the right. Uh, <laughs> all right. All right. No, it sounds great. It sounds great. Okay. Well, if at some point I'm breaking down or anything, just let me know. I'm you know I'm gonna try. I'll try not to make you break down. We won't get that emotional. All right. All right. Perfect. I'm hard to break down. <laughs> So cool. yeah, go ahead, introduce yourself. Tell, tell, tell me a bit about, tell everyone a bit about you and, and a bit about the business. Sure, yeah. So yeah, so I'm Antoine, I'm like, I'm French, as you can tell with my with my accent that I'm trying to disguise a bit, but uh, it's still there, it's sticking to my, to, to my voice. Um, 
And so, yeah, I, so I studied in France, I'm 27. I studied in France um, in engineering, so computer science. Um, I also had the chance to go to South Korea to finish my, to finish my studies. And, uh, and I came in London five years and a half ago uh, where I joined a FinTech um, in which I spent like yeah, five years. Um, I ended up head of research. That was a very exciting time for me because in a, in a very few, like in very few months, I, I got promoted a couple of times and ended up like managing the full R&D kind of section of the business, which was really, really exciting for me. Um, and I decided to leave it um, like around a year ago. So something like that. Um, so the numbers don't add up. So I spent like four years and a half there, but I mean, that's pretty much the thing, um, to start my own business, which is called Blue Teshi. It's a tech company. It's an impact, um, company where we, we use tech to like, to make it easy for individuals to like, to behave more sustainably, to, to consume more sustainably. And so, yeah, that's pretty much it. I guess we can dive into any details if you're keen, but like our product is called Gandhi. It's Google Maps for sustainable shops. So we really want to remove frictions to sustainable consumption. Um, and I really believe that tech has a, has a big role to play here. I think I, I have a pretty big opinion about like the tech sector and how tech can be used for mitigating climate change. Like I'm not a big believer in like this, you know, tech miracle thing where we're going to suck all the carbon out of the air and, you know, like uh, allowing us to stick to our sustainable way of living. Mm. Um, but I do believe, though, that tech is an amazing potential for coordinating people um, and also facilitating their lives and, and removing frictions. So this is really the angle we're taking here. So, yeah, I guess that's like the like short summary about about me. But obviously, if you have any more questions, happy to tell you. more. Oh, I've got a ton of questions. Of course I have. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah um but uh but um yeah so it's, it's, it's well tell me a bit more about the about the, the the company and what it does and how it works like that that's the i suppose that's what i'm i'm wondering and what everyone else is wondering and i know we you've briefly explained this to me before when we spoke before but but still re remind me and, and and more importantly tell everyone else out there reduces friction how of course yeah so here's the thing so i started this company because I talk to a lot of people and I and I climate change is something that is quite close to my heart. Um, and and I talk to a lot of people even before I started the business being like, hey, you know, like, are you worried about climate change? Uh, are you doing something about it, etc. Just to try to understand, you know, what people were thinking about this thing. I was genuinely curious, not even with a business idea in mind. Mm -hmm. And one thing that struck me was that a lot of the people I talked to, whether it was in London, in Paris or somewhere else, told me the same thing. Climate change sucks, but what can I do about it? And so I just generally felt a, a general sense of like, um, you know, like, like people were overwhelmed. They were powerless. And, they, and, and I was like, OK, we, we have to solve this. Like, what the fuck? We are 8 billion on this planet. Mm. Like, and we, we, we cannot all be lost, hoping that some politician or some whatever company is just going to come and solve the crisis like that. So I tried to dig a bit more and I was like trying to understand what was the pain point. Okay, well, why don't you do something about it? Like, are you trying to reduce your plastic consumption? Da, da, da. And then I realized, well, people were just lost because there's a lot of greenwashing. They don't know what's sustainable. Uh, they don't have time because a lot of people are telling me, you know, I have kids, I have a nine five. Um, I don't want to spend like hours doing due diligence in every shop I'm going to, to, to buy things from. And then I was like, okay, cool. Now we are getting into it. So then I was like, how can we solve this problem? 
how can we make it easy, as easy as, um, as possible for individuals to go and shop their values because they seem to have values um, and that's when they how the idea actually came so what Gandhi does is we aggregate all publicly available information about uh, shops related to sustainability so we look at their certifications uh, we look at if they make claims such as we are social enterprise which many companies uh, well quite a few companies do nowadays we look at their incorporation structure are you really a social enterprise or are you claiming to be one because they're like um, uh, like a specific um, a status for social enterprises uh, in the uk um, we look at you know if they claim to be vegan great we look at the, their menu for instance so we look at all publicly available information we can find about shops and we use that to list them on a map which looks like google maps so in fact as a consumer what you do is you're like hey i'm in london i want to buy a coffee i want to buy clothes i want to buy toys books whatever and we give you the shops that are listed on Gandhi around you so that you have nothing to do to, to search for. It's the same UX as Google Maps. So it's pretty, um, uh, yeah, you're probably using a VPN or something like that. The yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, okay probably, that's why. Okay. Yeah, it's probably it's probably not working for some reason, but it's... Yeah. Um, I've got all kinds of annoying stuff installed that keeps crashing things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's live in London. It's working. We have like hundreds of users using it every month. Mm -hmm. And so... Yeah, that's pretty much the idea. So it's Google Maps for sustainable shops. And on there, you can see all the data we found for a shop. So you don't have to trust us. Be like, hey, close your eyes. We know what we do. Uh, you know, like, go there. We tell you this. No, no. We empower you with the data. You need to make a difference. And then you are the one making the choice at the end. So <laughs> we just uh, do this aggregation work for you. And so we are live in London. We launched an MVP. So when I kind of came up with the idea, I was like, OK, we need to kind of test it. So I put this MVP that you try to open in your web app, which is um, uh, which is kind of covering London. It's live in London, and I was keen to see is their interests. You know, are mm -hmm. the people I talked to, the people who told me their troubles, like their pain points, are they using it? Uh, and if so, what can they tell me about it? Like, do they like it? Is it kind of solving what they what they want? And and so yeah, the numbers have been have been pretty promising. We've had like hundreds of users um, every month. Uh, using the product, giving us feedback, oh, I'd like this, oh, I'd like that, oh, this is confusing, etc. Mm. And all of this feedback to actually like work on the mobile app that's going to be launched um, in in ten days. So oh, wow, cool! We are just about to launch the mobile app. Uh, we are in the final tested tests um, phase with our beta testers, mm. um, and it's uh, it's going to be live on on the Apple Store and Play Store. So I'm very excited. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so this data that it's taking, so where, where is it finding? You said it's publicly available data, so it's taking data presumably that the companies have already put out there. So, how are you able to, or maybe you don't have this yet, but maybe you've been thinking about this? How are you able to validate some of this data? Because, like you said, there's a lot of greenwashing, right? If if you know, if I as a company, I could just put on my website, I do this, I do that, I do this. It could be complete bullshit. Like oh, yeah. how, how how can you mitigate uh, and filter through the through the noise and make sure that there's some verification there? Yeah, I mean, this is a very good question. And and so, like, I don't think there's any silver bullet for that because mm. information can be, can be manipulated, even on third-party websites, you know, like yeah, you know, what's, going on, what's going under the table. Like, mm. if you really want to take this adversarial mindset, then, of course, unless you're omniscient and you can access the supply chains of every, of every shops and everything, yeah. like, you cannot know. 
yeah uh, in fact sometimes shops themselves don't know like they can only know like one or two like uh, um kind of like um, a couple of deg degrees of separation then after exactly. that it's amb amb ambiguous right yeah exactly yeah. And, their supply and, and no one's hands are clean let's be honest no one's hands are clean in in the world when it comes to these sort of things with sustainability or or, or social you know impact or, or all that sort of stuff there's there's always some dirt somewhere right well i mean we live in a very interconnected world right so yeah. like this is the thing unless you're omniscient which you know no one is uh, you cannot have full. Well, you 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 no, but like you 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 cannot have you cannot have full like you know conviction that um, you know like something is pretty sustainable. And I would just yeah. add something about that, which is I think, it, and and I will go back and answer your question properly. I'm not trying to avoid it, but like on the sustainability aspect, it's another very key aspect that we're highlighting, which is that there's no such thing as it's going to sound maybe controversial, but hear me out. There's no such thing as sustainable. Like sustainable is a component, is a is a is a combination of things. So, for instance, a paper bag may not be sustainable. Uh, it may be more sustainable than a plastic bag, but the use you make of this bag is defining whether or not it is sustainable. Because in fact, if you throw a paper bag every minute of the day, you use it, you throw it away, you take a new one, you use it, you throw it away. It's not sustainable at all. You keep having to cut new bloody trees or mm. recycle new paper, which is energy intensive as a process to generate new bags. So a material itself cannot just be sustainable. You can't just say, oh, it's paper. I close my eyes. It's sustainable. I can use it in mm. any way I want. No, the material plus uh, the ways in which it's manufactured, etc., and the use you make of it defines whether this is sustainable. A plastic bag may be the most sustainable option depending on the context, because if you use it for 10 years, you produce one bag once, and then you use it for 10 years, as opposed to throwing paper every single hour, mm. this is more sustainable, because it's a matter of like managing planetary resources. So it's something that's quite important. And I think it's something that's very, uh, uh, like, like that lacks emphasis in this space, because you have a lot of brands and a lot of people that are going to be say, that are going to say, oh, you know what we do is sustainable. Well, not really, because if your business model is pushing me to buy your bloody product every every week because it breaks down, it may be made of paper or dirt or anything. It's not really going to be sustainable because mm -hmm. even if it's made out of uh, like hydrogen or whatever sand or whatever thing that is super, um, uh, you know, like that is very available in nature with very big resources, there's still a manufacturing process involved. You, yep. I mean, unless you're really selling me like a piece of mud, literally in a jar, in which case, uh, you know, I would be stupid to buy it. But you see what I mean. So yeah, really important. So now going back to your question. Um, so what we do is we 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 try to cover as as much ground as we possibly can. So we look at, for instance, uh, third party certifications. Again, I'm not saying they are perfect, but they are third parties. So. Mm -hmm you know like this is an extra person outside of the business we review that comes in and accredits them or review their supply chains etc and these people they have websites of their own where they list the companies that they certify etc so what we do is we can actually use them uh, to say well we realize that shop xyz in our in street abc is a uh, certified they say it on their website that's great but we won't be linking you to the website of the shop we will be linking you to the site of the certification body so that you can actually look at what the third party is saying about this shop. So right. we are leveraging this kind of like third party websites when we can. 
And for other self-asserted claims, such as, you know, oh, I'm vegan or, uh, you know, we we give some of some of our money to charity where like the link is a bit harder to draw because we can't follow the money we don't live in their like receipts etc we don't have access to their like tax reports and etc for private companies um then uh well we link you to this information because we think it's important for you as a consumer to know what the shop is claiming to do and then when you visit the shop you can report to us if you see any 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 irregularities so if you have a shop that says oh, we are a zero waste shop, we are super eco-friendly, blah, 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 blah. We link you to the to the page of their website where they ass uh, uh, assert all of these things. It's self-asserted claims. So we believe it still has value. But so we make it easy for you to access it. Mm. And then if you visit the shop and you're like, hold on a minute. I saw on Gandhi that shop ABC was supposed to be a zero waste, blah, 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 blah. And when I visited, I saw the door open in the middle of winter. They were eating the outdoors. I saw plastics everywhere. Okay, I'm going to go on Gandhi. I'm going to click report the bloody thing. Mm. And I'm going to say what I saw. And so we also use the community to help us sanitize this because mm. it's a bit of the same approach as Waze, right? I mean, Waze provides you with a platform to report accidents along, along the road. The Waze people are not driving all over the place and telling you there's an accident here. They give you the means for you to report it mm. and to keep the platform running. And what we do is we do that. We are data-driven, so we use our data to really empower you as an individual to make more informed decision. And then we say, hey, it's teamwork, right? I mean, we are not visiting the shops on a, re on a regular basis. We are analyzing online data. But if you go there, let us know what you think so that we can also use your data to cross with ours and make sure that we keep the, 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 like the map curated. So it's I, lo I love that approach because I, I love the Waze app. I use it all the time. And, I, and one of the main reasons is because of the information that the community adds to it. And it's a very much a community or user-led um, product and and I think we need more of that in these kinds of products, especially where information is so abundant that it's it becomes very unclear. It's very murky as to what is the truth and what isn't. And you need that continuous verification of truth these days through technology to make sure that the information you're being presented with is accurate. So I love that. I love that fact. And presumably it's not the case that if just one person says something, then it then that's it. You change it. There must be, uh, you know, a, a certain amount of, of things. So you're not going to have any bad actors coming in who maybe like rival businesses, you know, just go in there and say, oh, that shit, you know, it's got to be a certain level of accountability on both sides, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, this is this is really like to me the like the only way to make this work, because I think it's important to have like like the fact that we are data driven and we 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 provide our community, our community of Gandhisms. This is the name of users of Gandhis, you know, like it's a play on word between Gandhi and citizens. Yeah, um, we are like Gandhisms. And and I think it's important to like to also help, you know, to meet people where they are. Like yeah. it would be, in my opinion, a mistake to uh, simply rely on the community without doing like the like the data aggregation, etc. Before, because that would be delegating the action of defining sustainability or um, uh, to our community, being like, okay, guys, you figure it out. Just tell us what's sustainable in your area. Well, not really. We don't claim we know everything, but at least we give you a first. We we give you the data to make a first, uh, like to, to take the first step. And we come with like the first, what we what we consider as sustainable. It's a combination of factors as we explain, it's all transparent. We say it on our website, what we look at, so there's no surprises. And then we can use this, this uh, definition 
to iterate as a community and to improve, as opposed to giving you a blank sheet of paper and be like, okay, well, you have a shop in your street that has a leaf on the on the on the logo and that uses green on the menu, then uh, list it on your app. No, it's not. We 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 help you, and so it's a combination of both things uh, that we are pursuing. And again, so far so good. Um, the the moment of truth is going to come in in a couple of days when we launch the mobile app in London. It's going to be covering only London, but we have hundreds of locations there. And uh, and I'm pretty pretty happy about the feedback received by the beta testers. So we'll see how it goes. But I, I I really believe in this potential of empowering consumers to make the change because talking to lots and lots of people, I realized how lost people were. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't believe in the in the in the approach of waiting for a savior to come and save us all, and save us all. I don't believe in politicians doing this, and I'm not believe I'm not, I don't believe in like private companies that have been the cause of this issue to solve it. And for many reasons, again, it's a matter of understanding the incentives of the system. Like, if you're one of the biggest plastic polluters in the world, such as Coca-Cola Company, it's not a surprise. It's uh, like uh, they've been um, uh, receiving this uh, this uh, nickname quite a few times already as being uh, some, one of the biggest plastic polluters in the world. Why would you take the risk of modifying your supply chain to have like um, glass bottles and completely modifying the logistics of your business to collect used uh, glass bottles, etc. Why would you take such a risk when you have people buying your plastic bottles and your profits going to the roof every quarter? That makes no sense. And so, of and, course, and plus that was their old business model anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah. They, they clearly moved from that model for a reason. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, of course, like. Uh, we are all bombarded by advertisement and we are all being manipulated on a daily basis. Like, you know, like brands business is to make us think that we need their product. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not even like it's a need, like it's a human need. You, It's a human need for you to drink a cocoa. It's a human need for you to get the new like car, the new thing. It's a, it's a, it's it's part of, of who they are. Like they want to sell things to us. So mm -hmm. we are manipulated on a daily basis. So, of course, I'm not putting the blame on consumers saying, you know, this is our fault because I'm a consumer. It's, it's our fault. We should be more conscious. No, like it's hard. We are navigating a very wild world with a lot of manipulation around. Um, but the thing I'm trying to highlight is that putting like we have to break this, the deadlock we are in where consumers wait on companies to change. Mm. which makes no sense because companies make a ton of money the way things are. So why would they change? And yeah. companies kind of like won't change until we change, because if we change, then we are like, like changing the demand and then supply is going to adjust. So we are a bit in the deadlock. And likewise, expecting politicians to come in and like put a fist on the table and say, you know what? Like, let's just remove, like, let's just change, like no more plastic bottles. Well, it's not going to happen, really. They have so many lobbies, so many interests, like so many yeah. jobs at stake, so many things going on. And well, it's mostly money, right? Like, <laughs> because their their campaigns are mostly funded by these by these corporations, so they're not gonna they're not gonna sever those ties. I mean, it's exactly why that uh, that candidate in the United States, I forget his name now, he's becoming quite popular online. The young guy who's you know an ex uh, medtech founder, bit um, millionaire. Um, he he hasn't taken any private funding whatsoever, and he because he knows that that's the big problem, right? The decision and law cannot be affected with effectively by by po politicians that are in the pockets of corporations. So, yeah, yeah. I mean exactly. I mean we have to re like it's. I think it's really important sometimes to take a step back and really look at like the like incentives 
across the system and yeah. really try to understand what makes a specific class of actor act in a certain way. Mm. Politicians in uh, a big part of the Western world um, are elected for a couple of years. There's a big like uh, power game going on, a lot, a big status game as well. You know, they're seeking status, influence, etc. So when you're a politician, generally like uh, in the UK and France, um, you are already you are elected, you're happy, and the second day you're elected, you want to make sure you get your party or yourself get reelected for the next uh, for the next term. So there's always these things going on, and so you're always driven by short-term decisions because if you have low employment, uh, uh, high growth, high GDP growth, all these kind of like KPIs that define success, and we can talk about that. I think it's very flawed, but this is the way we define success today then you maximize your chances to be reelected and that's really where the thing is so again just going back to them to like, like to the to the first point i was making is once you kind of start to understand how what makes people act in a certain way i think well the conclusion i came up with was the solution has to come from us has to come from like the consumer because the consumer is the prime generator of cash flows in the system you have 20 B2B, B2B SaaS companies, blah, 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 VC back B2B SaaS companies, but the final part of the chain is a B2C company. You know, like uh, Microsoft is selling items to, to people, um, you know, like, um, like Facebook is selling advertisement to other companies, but at the end of the day, like these companies, they probably like sell you like te a toothbrush or shoes or something. There's always like, like the final part of the chain is always a consumer that's earning a salary, paying taxes, etc. That's actually mm -hmm. like financing the full, the, like the economic machine. And to me, this is where the change has to come. And if consumers yeah. decide to say, well, fuck it. Now consuming sustainably has never been easier with solutions like Gandhi. I can just go and shop my values, etc. It doesn't take any mental load for me to do so. I will decide all things equal to go to like this um organic coffee that are around the corner as opposed to going to this big chain that's clearly not making uh, any effort to tackle the climate crisis mm. uh, then maybe at this point one quarter or two quarters in these companies board boards of directors are going to be like hold on a minute guys why do we have a dip like what do we need to do and we are all numbers in everyone's uh, you know like dashboards because yeah. companies, again are monitoring everything we do and so they will be like hold on a minute like this hashtag is trendy. These companies are growing faster than us. Da, da, da. What can we do? Oh, if people want sustainable, sustainable things, we'll do it. Look at McDonald's. They've done experiments around Mac plant, et cetera. I don't think the board of director of McDonald's is particularly attached to beef. You know, I think if tomorrow everyone becomes vegan, they would have no problem to say McDonald's becomes vegan and we do like vegan fast food. They don't care. They want profits. Yeah. You know, this is what they do. And so you want to play them at their own game, right? Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, and, and, and to some extent, that's exactly what's been happening, right? Which is why we've seen the rise of a, of a lot of these businesses in the first place is the public has been demanding more of this sort of stuff. They, you know, which is why we have, you know, B Corp certified, which is why we have vegan, you know, uh, businesses and, and plant-based alternatives and all of this sort of stuff now is really important. You know, zero, zero carbon, you know, uh, or, or carbon offsetting certification, all of this sort of stuff. And, and it is because of the demand of the public. The public's become more aware of these things. Um, but like you said, it's it, a lot of it, it, it seems to be greenwashing. And it also, a lot of it is, you know, I equate it to a similar, like, uh, sort of analogy of or, or scenario of basically a load of people on the Titanic, you know, putting duct tape over tiny holes on the, on the back when the front is missing. You know, it's just like distract us with this kind of stuff when actually the bigger problems over there. 
Um, so how do we address that? Well, the, I think yeah. the first point is to make people see that there's a gaping hole at the front in the first place. I don't think people realize that. Because I've, I've, I've been very open about the fact, I think it was in a couple of episodes ago, actually, I talked about the fact that I just don't believe, you know, I, I, I'm completely disillusioned with like recycling, for example. It's complete bullshit. The whole recycling thing is complete and utter bullshit. I'm a firm believer in that. From what I understand about it, from the people I've met in the in 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 certain parts of that industry, the whole thing's rubbish, literally, <laughs> right? In that that what you put in your recycling bin goes to landfill. It does not get recycled. The yeah. vast majority of it, but it makes everyone feel better. Yeah, uh, right? I mean, I, I agree. Like at this stage, uh, a big part of like um like solving the climate crisis is is a communication problem and and we yeah. have to make people understand there's a lot of education like really what what we try to do is again like i mean i'm talking for myself again here but like i like the the whole ethos of gandhi really is to bring transparency to an opaque consumer market by being transparent we can have better accountability in the system because now people see what you look, so they can come and criticize what we look at for Gandhi. That's great. If you if you don't agree with what we look at, let us know so we can adjust the process. But you have to be transparent to let people criticize and give you feedback. You have to build in the open. You have to you have to give people the data. And then once you start being transparent, you start really talking uh, like the truth, as opposed to yeah. like trust us. You know, we know what you do. You don't know. Like no, no, no. So I don't believe in this. And I think once the, the, the debate is going on, then you, you have maybe a few like iterations to do to land on something that really works well. But that's the only way to, to go. And to your point, yeah, there's a lot of things that, are, that aren't that are right. Uh, I, I think there are like two things. I think people like extremes generally. So on the internet in particular, you know, if you're not on one side of the spectrum, then no one cares about you. Like you have to be very like, you know, incisive and very opinionated about things. Mm. And this is very, in my view, the truth always lies in the middle. Uh, and yeah. that's a problem. And so like for recycling, that's um, that's the same. You know, recycling is needed. There are like items that should generally should be recycled. Aluminum can be recycled many, many times. That's great. So if we can recycle it, we should. But recycling should be the last thing we do in the in 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 the in the between reusing repairing etc we should mm -hmm. be striving to reuse as much as we possibly can producing less repairing what we can da, da, da. and once we've exhausted all the possibilities then yes we should try to recycle and again people like extremes so they will be like recycled not recycled no, no, it doesn't work like that like recycling even if you're recycling aluminum or paper or something like that we have to understand that these are processes. They require energy. Like energy doesn't come from the sky. Of course, it can come from the sun and from the wind. But all this clean energy, like all these all these people that that say, "Oh yeah, but we do X Y Z using solar panels and stuff." Great. The bloody solar panels could have been used to power the hospitals around the corner and to like power all the segments of the economy uh, that are currently like competing to uh, to access the energy we all need and part of this energy being still served by fossil fuels mm -hmm. so we have to really make sure that we produce what we need repair more etc and then recycle and i think this is something that people really have to understand is that there are processes it's not just like hey my plastic bottle becomes a new plastic bottle like by magic no it's being shredded it's being yeah. melted it's being reprocessed 
and all of this is bloody like energy intensive and energy which, which is why it's going to landfill because of that is a very expensive process too i mean that's the, you know yes it's energy intensive but it's also manpower intensive it's labor intensive it's cost intensive which is why local governments aren't recycling it they're sending them to, to other countries and it's going into landfill or into the sea um and yeah to, to your point this is the big the big problem with a lot of these um sustainability or eco-friendly initiatives is they they cost a not not only a huge amount of energy but a huge amount of money which means the incentive isn't there for the company to do it and this is like to your point about like um about making the decision though like may maybe to, to to throw you a bit of a, a curveball and a counter here one of the problems i see with a lot of this conversation one thing that never seems to be fully addressed is yes we can do what we can to maybe help people make better decisions but ultimately it comes down to money right and these better decisions these more sustainable or environmentally friendly decisions are usually more expensive decisions so you know food clothing these kinds of things you know i've had people on on, on before who are founders of sustainable um or circular companies looking to make uh, a positive uh impact on on climate change and so on and this my question is always the same how do we solve that problem because at the end of the day with the very same companies that we're trying to overcome with this that have the seats at the table that have the politicians you know the, the you know in their pockets and so on they're the ones that control the supply chain they control how much things cost us to a degree right um and so the sustainable choice is always going to be more expensive I'm so glad you're bringing this on the table, Greg, because I like I couldn't disagree more. And here's okay. like that's, and that's perfect because let's have a debate on this. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's something I've heard many, many times by people telling me, you know, like consuming more sustainably is uh, is more expensive. And I I don't think it's true. Um, okay. I think a lot of people associate sustainable consumption with buying you know organic food at Whole Foods or something like that. Yes, of course, Whole Foods is way more expensive than your kind of local Tesco or something like that. But hey, sustainable consumption doesn't have to be about like buying this fancy organic food uh, served by uh, one of the most expensive uh, grocery store in London. Like you can buy secondhand items, uh, like the most sustainable items are the ones that already exists. So if you go to like a thrift store or a charity shop, you can buy a T-shirt for pennies on the pound, like it's super, super cheap, right? So that's not expensive at all. Like if you stop buying bloody like bottled water, in the uk or in london like water is safe to be like like to drink in london we are pretty happy like i've traveled in countries in africa where people would die to get the water on the tap that they could drink right we have it on the tap and yet so many people go and buy like bloody bottles of water for like two pounds one 1.5 liters when they can get like like they can pay two pounds a year for their bloody like for the for the water they're drinking like a one cubic meter of water of water is like two pounds like what the fuck? If you are enjoying this episode, please subscribe, like, and share your thoughts in the comments. Like, it doesn't have to be more expensive, but I think there's too many um, misconceptions about that. Books. Let's talk about books. Like, there are local libraries all over the place in London. I'm talking a lot about London because this is where I'm based. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sure this applies to many other cities, um, major cities. But, you know, you have a lot of libraries where you can get go and rent books for free it's amazing public service paid by taxpayer uh, funded by taxpaying money um but people prefer to get their books delivered in one day from amazon uh, why don't you go and get a book for free you read it you give it back and your community can use it again uh, mm -hmm. you have apps like 
audio to good to go. I'm making free advertisements for them. Here you go, guys. Uh, like where you can go and share your items you don't want anymore, or you can go and buy food that's gonna that's about to be wasted in restaurants for pennies on the pound. There are so many solutions, mm. and and I think it's it's such a big harmful misconception that consuming more sustainably has to cost more money. In fact, most of the time it is costing you much much less. But again, we are tricked into believing that we have to have something new. You have to have the new iPhone, Greg. If you don't have it, come on. Like, it's all about status. It's all about belonging to this group where you're going. I don't, see, now, I don't think it is all about that. I think for, okay. for some people it is, of course. Yeah. Um, and But I think the other side of it is, you know, what, what else is a very valuable commodity that people have very little of time? And like you've just rightly pointed out, there are a lot of options. And of course there are, right? Like I, I, I for example, I'm an avid eBay seller when I have the time because I don't believe in throwing things away. I buy, you know, I am guilty of maybe buying some stuff that I don't need quite a lot sometimes. And then, uh, but I don't believe in like, you know, just throwing it away. It can go to a better home, put it on Facebook marketplace, sell it, you know, and I, we also try and buy a lot of stuff off of these, these places and platforms too, especially as we have kids, you know, when you have kids, you tend to go through stuff very quickly and you know, you're not going to use it forever. So you just buy it, you know, cheap and, you know, Facebook marketplace is a really good example of that. And there are other, platforms dedicated to that i've even spoken to some of the founders and had them on this platform specifically for that and i love that but here's the problem there's too much choice and people don't have time like the average everyday individual who isn't you know privileged enough to 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 be able to just have one job monday to friday nine to five and has you know maybe working multiple jobs maybe weekends and evenings has kids maybe they're single parent you know things like that you know the, the rent's just gone up the gas bill's just gone up like they're barely making ends meet okay maybe it's not that much more expensive to buy these things and in fact in a lot of the cases you said i agree go to the thrift stores you know uh, you know, buy, buy things for, you know, much cheaper than you would, you know, find, you can definitely find even cheaper uh, things. But the problem is time. These people are barely making it to the supermarket to do their, their monthly or weekly shop. They're trying to as their best as they can to, to manage their money. And that's the time they have to get all the things they need for them and their family. They haven't got time to go to the thrift store, the charity shop, to go online, check out these different apps, to see what these different options are. They need those options to be in the supermarket, right? Like people bash on supermarkets all the time. I think if it wasn't for supermarkets, a lot of families wouldn't survive. Let's be very clear about that. We need to be bringing these options to people in a way that makes it easier, and which is why I like your platform, because you're solving that problem to a degree. You, you are bringing it to them, the, the, the choice is there. But that to me is the bigger problem. And when I say it's not affordable, I think what what you know what's important to point out is I mean both monetarily, but also time-wise. That's a big factor. It's expensive both in time and in money. Yeah. Maybe not as much in money as people believe, but to your point, which I, I, I actually agree with. But but money, but time is a big one, right? Totally. Like uh, this, I totally agree. And this is again like going back to what I was saying about Gandhi, this is one of the things that really made me kind of like consider the project really because I was like, hey, people like time, like we have to really make it easy for individuals to shop their values in their local area. Like like mm -hmm. even myself, because like I'm a consumer like everyone else. I'm not producing what I consume, right? So I'm not yeah, growing yeah. my food. I'm living in a flat in London. I'm not growing my food. I'm not, uh, you know, like uh, uh, filtering my water. Uh, I'm not manufacturing my clothes. So sometimes I'm in, I'm in central London. I have a meeting with some people and I'm like, I don't know this area, you know, it's an area that's uh, not really like, uh, like, I don't know very well. So I'm like, hey, I'd like to have coffee, like what can I find? 
And this is the moments where you go on Google Maps or I go, like I'm talking for myself, and I'm like, hey, coffee around me uh, real quick. I have five minutes. Like, clearly, I don't have time to start doing 20 requests. Is this certified? Uh, what is the supply chain? No, no, no. Just give me a coffee now. My meeting is in now four minutes. I've already spent one minute doing this. And so and so that was one of the main factors behind Gendi. It's like, we want for these people who have no time, like, they want a coffee in the next five minutes. Where do they go instead of going to Google? Then they go to Gendi. They do the same research. A coffee around me. Oh, okay. One, 200 meters away from here. Perfect. I go there. They don't have to think. They know it's on Gendi, so they can know that it's 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 doing better than the average uh, uh, coffee shop. And and if they want, if they want to spend another one or two minutes, then they can click on the Gendi record. This is how we name it, where we aggregate all the data, and they can do their kind of like they can scan what we have. But that was really the main factor. I totally yeah. agree. Time is the enemy in many circumstances because it boils down to convenience. If yeah. something is not convenient, we don't do it. We are beasts of convenience. And everyone, and it, and, it, and it creates that paralyzing effect that you talked about at the beginning about when you were speaking with people, even before you come up with the idea of the product. It creates that paralyzing effect because it makes you feel guilty for not doing all these things, exactly. right? Because it's like, well, I should be, you know, the internet tells me I should be growing my own food, I should be fixing my own clothes, I should be, you know, fixing my own tech, or I should be reselling stuff, I should be giving stuff away, I should be help, you know, that all the, I should be a vegan, I should be, you know, all of this stuff, and it's just like all it does is it makes you feel like shit. Exactly. And it makes you feel guilty and then and also paralyzed and like I don't have the time to do these things. And and to your point of when you ask these people, yes, I'm a conscious about this thing, but I just don't know where to fucking start. Exactly. Like, <laughs> exactly. And I, I find it like look, I find it upsetting to get like people to be lectured on a daily basis. Like yeah. we all have our lives, we all have things to do. Like, give me a break. Honestly, mm. give me a bloody break. And so that's again like like sticking to the product, like just sticking to Gandhi, like really our priority was do not lecture people. Like again, mm. like there's too many, like too much gloom and, uh, doom and gloom out there. Too many people yeah. telling you exactly how you should be living your life. Give me a break. We don't it's, need another preacher in the world. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Like, come on, I'm no one. I'm not going to tell you, Greg, you have to buy this. Like what yeah. I can do though is I, I try to give you agency and empower you with extra data. But mm. you own your life. You do your own decisions. And I think this is really what like the value we're bringing here, which is we don't want to lecture you. We just yeah. want if you really want to have like to put your money where it matters, then we're going to make it easy for you to do so. But then ball is in your camp because I totally agree. If you go online, then uh, I mean, you spent an hour online and then uh, you, you know, you're just feeling like shit because you're like, hey, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that, or oh, this person has more money than me, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Like all this kind of social pressure, how you should be living your life. Oh, I'm not waking at 5 a.m. and taking a whole shower. I'm not doing mm. this, I'm not eating plants. Like, that's bad. Like, come on, live your life the way you want, but we're going to meet you where you are. And to me, this is the best way to bring the masses. Like, again, going back to what I was saying, it's all about like making demand change, right? Mm. Making demand change. And I don't believe in changing people's behavior. You have your behavior, you're Greg, I'm Antoine, we have different lives. That's fine. I'm not going to try to change you. I'm just going to try to make it frictionless for you to shop sustainably so that it becomes a no-brainer. You don't even have to think about that. It's so easy that you just kind of do it because, you know, why not? It's just so easy. It's one click. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the best way to bring the masses. And if you have the masses, then we're talking because demand significantly shifts and then you can create something meaningful. Yeah. Absolutely. And also, I think there's a lot to be said for think for, for other things too, like, um, you know, reward and um, gamification, right? 
two things that I, I think that a lot of people are realizing now uh, in, in tech especially are really important for, for um, not only user acquisition, but user retention. And Waze is a really good example of the way that things have been designed, that their platform has been designed. Um, maybe not so much in terms of the, the sort of reward scene, uh, version of things, but then like as a company I'm, I work with as an advisor, for example, that's, uh, that's created a, a travel, uh, like gaming app, you know, so it gamifies travel, which is an example of reward, you know, like, it, you know, give, give you something back for what you're doing. And like, I think we need more of that as well. Like it's not enough just to assume that people are going to do something out of the kindness of their heart or because they want to make the right decision. You also need to give them a bit of additional value than just that, you know. Yeah, and that's what's that's what's missing, I think, with a lot of a lot of things these days. So it's good yeah. to see that you're that you're and that that community thing that you're adding in. I think that's where the key value is in that because if you feel like you're 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 you get what you get out of it is that you feel like you're participating, and that's a very valuable feeling these days, mm -hmm. especially when community isn't as prevalent as maybe it used to be say 50 100 years ago you know yeah yeah i totally agree with this um, yeah. i think i think it's uh i think community is, is a very powerful thing uh that uh, a lot of companies should be should be you know like looking into yeah uh, community really i mean it's really hard it's a heavy lift to put the community together you have to bring value to people uh you know people are not going to join the community because you ask them uh, to to do so um, but I, I do believe that um, yeah, if you manage to successfully set up a community, it can it can pay off very 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 well. One hundred percent. It's like it's like the number one thing I advise founders to do when they, when it comes to a go to market strategy. I'd like say so, you know you you know as a, as a CEO or as a founder in the very early stages, you should be putting your community manager hat on. That's what you are in the beginning, first and foremost, when you're testing your MVP and you're in early alpha or beta or whatever. You're a community manager first and foremost, and then you know to your to your team, yeah, you're a product manager. But like essentially. Essentially, that's what you are um, sort of facing outwards to the general public. It's a, it's a, a very important, um, yeah, very important approach for sure. Yeah, I guess, I guess it all depends. Yeah, I, I mean, every company, every market, every segment is different. But like uh, for what we do, uh, I do believe it's, it's very important. Uh, it brings a ton of value. It makes the, the whole kind of product more sticky, and um, well, it allows and, you to iterate, right? Yeah, and and I think it's also like like the value it brings is is it's kind of like you know you can. You can really get some network effect because the more people you get into 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 the community, the better the data becomes because people can you know like report as I said before like and like irregularities if they visit shops they can suggest shops to be listed as well because we don't claim to be mapping the world right I mean we are yeah. going to be like sending armies of people walking around taking so we have like hundreds of locations in London like around five more than five hundred now. So we have a pretty comprehensive kind of like set of shops that are being mapped in London, but obviously shops, you know, like we don't know every single street, every mm -hmm. single back street. And so the community is also here to help us and, and they help us to improve the product. The more people using it, the better the product becomes, the more utility we bring to people and the more people come because the bigger the utility and it becomes like a snowball effect where mm -hmm. you are like, a, you can really get like a network effect and and that's really really powerful if we if you really successfully manage to put it together i'm not i'm not gonna lie and say we've nailed it we are very much into the weeds to make it happen yeah um, because we're very early stage but that's a very big priority of ours and our community is central like we are listening to feedback we receive to community members like they are the true people we want to delight like they, they are like we do this for for the community for our users and and this is really we are trying to like Gandhi is in the business of delighting Gandhisms, like our users. 
um, mm -hmm. and 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 making them like a an, like a whole part of building the product. So yeah, it's a yeah. And, I, and I have no doubt you'll get that. I have no doubt about that. And I'm very excited about when the app launches. But um, I'm curious to know though what your thoughts are about the, the, the we touched on it briefly there about about you know in a broader terms about your your opinions on food. Right, you're a French man. I'm half French. I was raised by a French mother. I spent most of my childhood in the kitchen. I'm the cook here, right? I don't know. Do you cook at home? Are you the main? Are you the main chef at home? I do. I do. Yeah, yeah. As I expected. Good man. So, what's your opinion on the state of the, of, of 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 food in in this? Because we brushed over it a bit. Because it is a bit of a, a broader thing, and it's a little bit more complex, right? But there are some huge issues there, aren't there? Yeah. Well, I mean, like first things first. Um, well, I'm, I'm not. This is not an area where I'm an expert of, but uh, an expert in. Sorry, but um, yeah. I mean, what do I think about that? Mm. Um, I'm just doing the, the quick disclaimer because obviously I don't want any of this to be taken out of context. No, but, but it's just I'm just interested to know your thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Right? No, for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a tricky thing. Um, I think I think we've developed bad habits as as individuals around the world, being used to having access to all sorts of food all year round. Mm -hmm. which is uh, which is a bit of a, of a problem right because um, um, I think you can live a totally normal life and healthy life uh, not eating like um, oranges in one part of the year and eating apples instead etc like I don't think there's anything fundamental fundamentally wrong with regards to this again I'm not like a nutritionist or anything but like again uh, to the best of my knowledge there's no problem with that mm -hmm. and uh, and that's a, that's an issue again we develop bad habits of this having access to everything we wanted at every time um, meat is a, is a bit of an issue as well for, ver for various reasons, um, because um, like, especially red meat, uh, it's very resource intensive, like a cow doesn't weigh the same weight as an adult, like uh, it's uh, much, much bigger, it requires to be, to be fed a lot of uh, grains or grass, whatever is being fed to the, to the cow, it requires to drink a lot of water, it requires land, it poops, so it, it can pollute actually like, um, uh, bodies of waters nearby if you have like a mass production of beef in like cr these crazy beef farms in the US. There's a lot of issues and I think the main issue, it's a bit of an unstructured answer, but I think it all boils down to like whether or not you're doing mass production or not, because that's always the issue. Like one could argue that meat is totally fine if you have one cow in a big field uh, eating grass and at the end of the life of the cow, you just kill it, you eat it. I think it's totally fine. I think humans have done that for for a lot of time already. And it's there's nothing that seems fundamentally wrong with regards to that. The problem is we are 8 billion on this planet. And if we all want to eat a steak at every meal, then we can't have one cow in a big field eating grass and being killed after like five years, right? Mm -hmm. The thing is gonna grow in a bloody, like in a bloody, in a bloody plant. It's never gonna see like the, the sunlight. Uh, they're going to be living on top of each other. They're going to shit in the same place. It's going to pollute all the bodies of riders around. They're going to be given like antibiotics to grow faster. That's the problem. That's always the problem. It's like mm -hmm. the overconception, overproduction of these things. And I think that's the problem in, in, in many industries. We can talk about the fashion industry, et cetera, but also in the food industry. Because at the end of the day, again, if you have one cow, this is what I frequently hear from people. Oh, yeah, you know, like vegan people are... Uh, vegan food is not that sustainable because you eat uh, soy that's grown in Brazil and imported, etc. Nothing is perfect. Again, as we said, even at the beginning, even your paper bag may not be sustainable depending on how you use it. The yeah. problem is that we are used to overconsume everything. And so, yeah, again, as we have people with in the developed world that are striving to live like people in the UK, like people in the US, 
like eating more meat and access to all the services and goods we have access to nowadays in, in the Western world, then we have a problem. What do we do? Like we already know that um, I don't know how many planets would, we would need if uh, we were all Americans, something like maybe six or something like that. You have like these crazy statistics. Like what do we do when all Indians and all Chinese uh, are living like Americans? So this is to me the big issue is meat is fine if you have one cow in a field, but uh, you know, it's not the reality. And, and, and yeah, and so is soy, right? You, like, you, like you rightly pointed out, there, there is an equal problem there that people aren't, you know, in any way talking about near as much, which is that it's a, it's a problem of scale. It's not a problem of the products. You're absolutely right. Like, you know, as soon as you start cutting down forests to, to, to put in soy plantations, the problems are exactly the same. Well, yes, I would say yes and no. It's a problem of scale, I agree. But mm. there's also a matter of understanding what the soy or the grain or whatever you're growing is used for. Mm. Uh, because like in many, in many areas, in many um, uh, uh, places around the world, like forest is being burnt to plant, for instance, soy. Let's stick to that, like in Brazil, for instance. And you have to understand, is this soy going to be feeding vegans in the UK or is it going to be feeding like the like meat in Brazil, in the US or in Argentina? And when you actually realize what like the meat industry requires as an input to function, you realize that a lot of land is being destroyed to feed the bloody cows and the bloody cattle to actually like produce the meat. Because again, the cow doesn't grow like breathing air. It has to eat. And what does it eat? It eats things that you have to grow. So there's it's a problem of scale. And not all things are equal. Yeah. Not, nothing is going to be a silver bullet. Nothing is going to be perfect. Yeah, that, nothing has its hands clean, like we said. That's right? a fact. Yeah. You know, we hear so many times people saying that almonds are consuming a lot of water in California, etc. Yes, I'm not. I'm not trying to fight this. Uh, this fact. It's a fact. Yeah. However, you have to understand all things equal. You know, let's stop the whataboutism for a minute and just let's consider the scales of things. Sure, almonds are taking water in California. But so does like the soy that um, is being produced on dead Amazon to feed the like the, the beef industry, right? So nothing's perfect. What do we prioritize? We have limited planetary resources. Where do we put our money and energy? And that's really what we should be considering instead of like talking what about them and being like, oh, let me, let me eat my steak every meal because yeah. you eat two almonds every morning and almonds are taking water. That's not a constructive debate. And so it's I like it's like you said, people are interested in the extremes, not in the new ones, not in the gray area. And the fact yeah. is, in life, everything fits into the gray area. Exactly. Nothing is that simple. And this is the huge problem with with discourse these days, which is why I like having these conversations, because we can get into the gray areas. Right. Which we don't hear about enough. And, and which is why also I like to have two hour long conversations or, you know, longer, because if you can't really get into detail in just, you know, short bursts of conversation or, you know, things like that, like you need to explore these things in more detail. And you're absolutely right. There's so much more to it. And, and, and instead of looking at it from trying to to spend all the, the time and energy on fighting each other over these issues. We should just be going, yeah, okay, there's, there's, there's issues on both sides. Let's find a better way of doing it together. And a yeah. great example of that is, you know, you're seeing more, um, more and more uh, uh, dairy farmers and meat producers and stuff looking at ways of creating circular farming and sustainable farming solutions, whereby not only are they looking at sustainable energy sources for production and to, to maintain the, the, the abattoirs and things like that, but they're also looking at sort of ways of creating miniature ecosystems around their entire production. So they've got crops that can feed 
the, the animals. They've got the animals that can fertilize the soil. They've got, you know, all of it, they're using all the waste. Nothing's going to waste, like, you know, and everything's creating this harmonious system. And that's, I think, easily by far one of the best. I don't fully understand it, but I, I've read some about it and I've seen some stuff about it. And for me, that's one of the better solutions I've seen. Is it perfect? No. But, you know, in terms of what it does for the environment and what it produces, like a far higher output of product for far less, you know, negative impacts on the environment um, around them. Like that, that seems to me to be a, a really good middle ground because that's what we're looking for, right? Exactly. Middle ground with all of this, not just food, all of it, middle ground, because we can't, we're not going to please everyone. Exactly. Right? I mean, first, there's no such thing as a perfect solution. Yeah. Um, and, and to your first point, like I, I have like two, two points to add to what you said, like, I totally agree. I think a lot of people like to talk past each other because again, like you have to have one side. Nowadays, you have to be on the side. If you're not, if you're yeah. not taking a side, like you're pussy. Like what the fuck? You don't have an opinion. No, right. I have an opinion, but hey, I'm seeking truth. I'm not seeking to be to get likes and retweets on Twitter, right? And, and your opinion can change. Ex exactly, <laughs> your opinion change. You have like yeah. coming in, like, um, and 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 that's the issue. And and I think we like when when we talk about sustainability and climate, I think. I think this is like one of the most polarizing topic nowadays. Like, um, like people are wild on this. Like, mm. some people completely deny climate change. Some people are firm believers into it, and and it's really like common clash on social medias, etc. Yeah. Um, I think it's, the, it's one of the four, isn't it? It's climate change, abortion, uh, race, and gender. The, yeah, probably. The, I don't know. I mean, to be honest, the I'm big four. I'm trying to stay away from social medias when I have a chance because it's a bit of a good idea. Yeah, good idea. But uh, but uh, yeah, I mean it's it's a big thing, and and I think sometimes it's useful to take a step back. So, um, like, instead of talking about climate change, let's talk about other things. Then, with with the people who are, for instance, not believing into it, we can talk about air pollution. We can talk about like the health consequences of breathing shit air in big cities like London. Uh, we can talk about these things. We all have health. We all have maybe family members or relatives that unfortunately got sick because of X, Y, Z reasons, uh, partly due to like breathing polluted air, smoking, um, working in like a mine or something like that. So that's kind of evidence that maybe there is another way of doing things. Like maybe what we do is not, uh, you know, it's not only uh, making our climate worse, but even putting the climate aside, maybe it's actually not good for us as well. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of, you know, we can talk about money. We talked about it in terms of like sustainable consumption can be more friendly to your wallets. You know, if you buy second hands, etc. We can talk about the health. We can talk about all these different things. We think we can talk about inequalities as well. And so, sometimes I like to take different angles when I feel like there's some pushback against the climate thesis. When I feel like this is not the right way of pursuing the discussion because people like simply don't believe into it. You're like, okay, fair enough. You know, let's put climate aside. Like. Are you fine like having a run in London and being like breathing and, and coming back breathing like a dog because it's all polluted? Are you fine even going in holidays and having like a freaking like sea of plastic bottles next to you? Like, uh, you know, we now now everyone knows this, like you can go to the Maldives and everywhere, like you will see f shit all over the place, right? Mm. Like, are you happy to pay like two grand or even more to go like to a paradise on earth and like have, have like dead corals everywhere and like uh, have plastic bottles everywhere? So let's put climate change aside, but that sucks, right? Like the plastic bottles next to your tower on the beach. Okay, well, now let's let's talk about that. And let's take this angle to talk 
like have a debate, a constructive debate instead of talking past each other. So that's mm -hmm. one thing I like to do because I think like a lot of focus is on climate change, but we can also take a step back and be like, hold on a minute, let's look at the broader picture. Like there are many things that you care about in this discussion and I just need to identify what it is. So that's mm -hmm. one thing on the talking past each other. And the, and, and the second point is when you talk about these kind of like the type of farms, regenerative farms, et cetera, I mean, I love to see examples like that. I think it's great. And, 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 the, and the beauty of that is when you look at this, there's no like technological magic into this. It's just using practices that have been used for like centuries um, uh, by our ancestors, uh, you know, like you're taking inspiration from nature, you know, like doing some stuff related to biomimicry, which is mimicking nature to do like, you know. I think, I think they're using some, some new tech to, to help out with it, to like optimize certain aspects of it like you know there's some pretty smart farm tech now that like you know regulates climate ensures that they're not overwatering, using water from local sources like you know and of course energy regulation and all this kind of stuff so i think there's some smart tech elements to it but you're right it is based on on some principles that have been around for centuries it's just yeah. elevated to the next level to make sure it's profitable and that they can still pay themselves a, a, a good wage you know because that's what it comes down to at the end of the day you've still got to make money you know exactly i mean i'm not saying like tech has no place to like to to play in fact i'm working on a tech company right, right. but i guess my <laughs> point is more that i think there's again in these debates around sustainability and climate change there's an over reliance on some like technological breakthrough that's going to come and save us all like ai change sucking carbon out of the year or like crazy stuff like that I don't really believe into this. See, um, I kind of do. I kind of do, but maybe not in the sense that there's going to be one big breakthrough. I think what it is, is it's going to be lots of breakthroughs with people like you, right? Founders like you, who I meet every day. And, and again, like I said, right at the beginning, that's what gets me going. That's what gets me out of bed every day. And that's why I love doing this and doing what I do for a living is speaking to innovative people, people who want to solve a problem. The person who I spoke to just before I met you solving a really important problem in our society. And that's what founders do. We solve problems that they're passionate about. And so I do believe that the, the solution is in the power of founders, actually. And it's in the power of innovators. But it's not going to be one big solution. It's not going to be Elon Musk is going to unveil this thing. And it's like, this is going to solve all our problems. Because there are so many little problems, to your point, to your first point, about how you know we need to have conversations about you know all of these these subjects related to the bigger picture. And if all these you know companies are coming in to solve them, that's going to put pressure on on the bigger companies to make change. Like a, a great example of that is like what you just said about air pollutants for example let's say a, a founder decides to create a very affordable easily productable air filter that can be put in public spaces to filter the air his selling point well he goes to local governments and he says if we install this we have proved that we can reduce the rate of this x y and z health related issue which will, will, will save your um your local authority x amount of money freeing up budget for other things it has to work and affect the bottom line it has to work to money. It has to work to power. It has to work these things. So if they, if he can get someone smart and get someone who can make the connections and you can go out there and do a good job of selling it, right, and be a good salesperson and all that kind of stuff and be something of a politician maybe, you know, when it's needed to be, then we can solve these problems. And then suddenly you'll see air filters in the streets. People will be breathing clean air. And you know what I mean? That's one of like many many things you know like um like i spoke uh, a few months back i think at the beginning of the year with the the co-founders of a company called yumbug who were 
they're going quite viral now online um, about their solutions uh, for introducing uh, insect proteins to the general public by putting them into into uh, forms that are easily, you know, you can wrap your head around. They're, they're easily digestible and, and all that kind of stuff, like visually appealing and everything like that. And they're doing amazingly well. That's another example. But the point is they've they they recognize how to package it, how to sell it, how to bring it to people. I think that's the key. You can't just have the idea. You know how you need to know how to make it palatable for people in their sense, literally. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's going to take it's going to take thousands of people like you and them to, yeah. to solve the problem overall. So it's a patchwork, you yeah. know. But and I, over I, time, I, it will come together. Right? I believe that it will come together overall. Yeah, I mean, I believe in it too. I mean, don't 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 get me wrong. I think we agree more than we disagree here. My yeah, yeah, yeah. originally yeah. was that I don't believe in a one big bang solution that's going right. to be dropped and like that's okay, what I thought you meant. Yeah, close, yeah. close your eyes. Like this is done. We're going to suck all the carbon of the air. Right. Continue to live your life as you used to do, and that's it. I yeah. don't believe in this, and I firmly like it's a pretty firm belief. Of course, um, you know, as you say, we can all change our opinions, and I'm totally open to to change mine. But but like. I, I, I firmly don't believe in this nowadays. However, I totally agree with what you said. Like, I think technology is a means to an end. It's not the end in itself. And so yeah, technology yeah. is beautiful to optimize processes. So to your point, like understanding how many drops of water you have to feed a plant to grow like optimally, like optimizing processes is beautiful. Like technology has an amazing role to play there, collecting more data, da, da, da. that's great. But it's a means to an end. It's not yeah. the end in itself. And that's really my point here. And I think sometimes there's a, little, a lot of mis misconceptions with things like direct air capture and all these kind of like big bang kind of like uh, buzzy words. Uh, well, first, when you follow the money and you realize who invests in which projects, you're like, hmm, interesting. There are some fossil fuels not too far. And second of all, um, I mean, again, like the plant needs, needs to be built. It's made out of steel. Steel is car, steel is coal. Uh, it needs energy to eat the air and extract the carbon out of it. Where does the energy come from? People will say, oh, it's a factory in, in Iceland. We're using geothermal energy. Great, this bloody energy could be used somewhere else, be sent to another country. I don't know, You can we, we could invest in like the electricity grid to uh, for Iceland to send more energy to Europe so it's clean and we can power the hospitals with it. Like there's a lot of like technological uh like i don't i i think a bit misconceptions maybe by by people who don't fully get uh either the techno like the like the, the technology space or by people who have vested interests to simply like uh you know push this narrative because, but also change takes time right yeah. so like look at solar panels for example you know 10 years ago extraordinarily expensive hardly anyone had them now anyone can pretty much get them because of the way that it works with the the grid, I actually had a quote not too long ago. The way that it works with the grid now is you pay pay instead of paying for the whole thing in one go, you pay for it monthly, and it costs about the same as what you would have been spending on your electricity bill. So in actual fact, anyone can get it. You pay it over the period of you know 10, 18 years, whatever. And because you're not spending any money on electricity, you're effectively now spending it on this. And it actually generally works out. You probably end up going to be spending much less than you would have been spending. Plus, you can also be sending, you, you quite often you're sending uh, energy to the grid. So it's this idea that over time, when things become more uh, cheaper to manufacture or become more publicly accepted that, that people more people adopt them then they become the norm and that's the thing isn't it it's about trying to get habits to become the norm and there's a lot of them right 
And so it's going to take a lot of innovation and then a lot of time for things to slowly sort of start becoming part of the, the norm. And like to your point about like, say, you know, the manufacturer of this particular thing. Well, yeah, but that that needs to be like all of those infrastructural elements around the manufacturing or even building a factory. They need to catch up, too. So there's innovation around innovation around innovation that all needs to catch up. But I'm a I'm an optimist. I think it will. I think yeah, yeah. I, you know, and I, I think I, I think you you do too. You know, like yeah. by the sounds of it, and it will catch up, but it will just take time. You know, we're still a very young species. You know, really, we've done a lot, but we're 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 pretty young, and there's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of iteration, a trial and error, and we're still going through a lot of trial and error. But I'm pretty optimistic. Give us another couple hundred years, and I think we'll be well on our way to solving quite a few of these problems. I I really do believe that. And especially with the with the things like I'm not a believer in the doom and gloom about AI. I think actually there's a huge opportunity there to help us with the optimization side of things that you were touching on there, you know, as an example, because yeah, there's a lot of inefficiency in the way that we do things. So to have oversight a little bit from that or assistance from something a little bit smarter than us couldn't be a bad, may not be a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, totally. Again, like my like. I have very nuanced opinions about these things, but I'm, I'm totally an optimist. I mean, otherwise I wouldn't be doing what I do, right? I right, don't... exactly. I don't think you can be a pessimist and a founder as well. Uh, I don't think those things go hand in hand at all. Exactly. <laughs> so pessimists probably don't bother starting. Because, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. No, but like, I'm totally an optimist. I totally think we'll get there. My point is more that, um, again, it's it's all about having a nuanced and a critical view yeah. about things and, and understanding that technology is a tool. You have different type of technologies that can be good in some contexts, very bad in other contexts. Mm. Um, it can, it's a means to an end. It's great for optimizing. AI can be great for navigating very large data sets, for helping us making more informed decisions. Totally, absolutely. Um, but it's not. it doesn't mean it's great for every special, for every uh, use case. Mm. It doesn't mean we need to close our eyes. And we always have to be careful, in my view, whenever we use tech, et cetera, and like, to understand what problem it solves and what problem it creates. To yeah. really understand whether there's yeah. a net positive or not. Because sometimes the tech can actually create an equally hard problem to solve, you know? But then you're like, oh, we solve this, uh, whatever. I don't really have a, like, I don't know, like AI. Well, I mean, open the Oppenheimer situation is a pretty good example of that, right? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. A, and AI is another Oppenheimer situation to that extent. People are exactly. more concerned about, okay, we've created this thing, but it could destroy the world. So it's like pretty high stakes, right? But well, yeah, I mean, it can be like, I don't know. Just but it could uh, be more nuanced than that. Yeah, sure. exactly. Just making up yeah. an example, uh, which is not very relevant, but like, yeah, I mean, uh, well, just coming up like with this, but like AI could be, I don't know, uh, we are using a model to solve like uh, um, XYZ problem. I don't know, to help uh, the company ABC to uh, better streamline their hiring process by better reviewing resumes. So problem solved, that's great. You address the pain point of your customers. That's great. What problem do you do you create out of that? Well, maybe now you have like some sort of an ethical selection bias problem where you really need to have a way to audit the model, making sure there's no discriminatory uh, decisions being made, et cetera. So this is the type of things I'm, I'm saying. Like, of course, you have, to, you have to make decisions. You have to move because otherwise you're always stuck balancing the pros and cons and you don't make any progress. I'm not yeah. suggesting that. What I'm just saying is so is that I think it's it's worth whenever we use technology, it can be for we talked about AI, it can be direct air capture, it can be other things to 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 try to take a step back and be like, okay, what's the positive potential? What's the bad potential? Shall we pursue this direction as a society? Yes or no? Um, to try to really minimize like um, 
the Oppenheimer is a great example. You know, we have the, okay, great. We have like, we can stop World War II. We have this um, weapon of mass destruction. That's great. Now, what happens after that? Like, uh, we will have like proliferation of nuclear weapons all over the world. Um, what's the world gonna, going to look like? Are we, uh, uh, is nuclear dissuasion going to, to, to bring peace? in the long term or is it going to destabilize the world in the long term like of course these things change you can never predict the future my point is more in an invitation to try to be more um like um to have a more critical view about things and really try to explore the gray area so i always go back to this gray area because i think this is where the debate really happens when you're on extreme there's no debate you're just shouting at each other and it's a matter of trying to figure out you know like what's the best thing moving forward taking better decisions literally mm. um, and, and are you putting some some fail safes in place maybe because if you're cognizant like you said about the the negative effects of something that you're bringing to the world then maybe you can mitigate those negative effects somewhat right and that's a big that's a big debate in ai right now like you said for the ethical reasons there's the the um the, the bias problem and also the thing you know to do with uh uh, uh well, um well uh, you know mass unemployment um you know issues with copyright you know like all of this kind of stuff there's a huge like problems there and the, the big i think criticism that it's getting is that the no one was thinking about that when they did it they just did it and they didn't think about it. we don't know i think that's a huge assumption to make there may have been people involved that were very cognizant of that yeah. and very aware but they just realized similar to the Oppenheimer situation if we don't do it someone else will so we you know we are aware of it we can do some stuff about it but ultimately a lot of stuff's out of our control but i think you're right you need to be aware of it going in though yeah yeah and, I, and ideally put some some things in place to prevent a huge negative impact but there's only so much you can do i mean at the end of the day something has to be you know if something's going to be disruptive it's going to be disruptive definitely <laughs> as well you know, yeah i, I agree with this like you have to take a decision and move forward otherwise you don't do anything right i mean uh like uh, totally um and and you cannot predict every single outcome in the future you, right. know, you cannot predict that option of a specific technology like when cars were first invented maybe they weren't like planning for every person to have like four cars or like rich people mm. to have like collections of like uh, 30 cars right i mean obviously not everyone has four cars but you see what i mean like they were probably yeah. not planning for people to start building collections of them etc so totally you well, have i mean just look at the road that's a great example just look at the roads right just look, look at the roads and the way people's uh, the way towns and cities have been built and the infrastructures have been built they were never built with the idea that every single person would own at least one car yeah and that's yeah. the problem right and and that's a great example of how you know you can't predict these kinds of things you know you know more than anyone as a, as a SaaS founder that you can never predict how your users will use the product that you make and yeah. they will usually use it in ways that you absolutely didn't even think of exactly and and sometimes that can be like we i had a guest on recently or a pair of guests on two co-founders where they created a product they put it out to market thinking it would be for one market turned out an entirely different market wanted to use it and they were like oh shit and they ended up getting like a hundred thousand users from this entirely different market and they were like oh we need to change our entire business <laughs> you know um so you just don't know you know True. and that's what's beautiful about the world it's unpredictable yeah 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 no totally i guess i guess my my point but that's a that's a that's a, uh, an ideal like it's it's an ideal that that you know is not going to be is not going to be possible because it assumes equal level of education across the board which is which right. is not the case and that's also the beauty of our world is that every, like some people know things you don't etc so there's mm -hmm. no uniform like i just have a bias because i've been in tech uh, pretty much all my all my life but like 
sometimes when I see what's going on in tech, I'm like, I wish more people knew about it so that we yeah. can have more societal discussion. Like it I could agree. Be, we are all citizens of this world, right? So and we and tech is changing our world in a in an unprecedented manner. Social networks have changed, they have like modified the way we do elections. They have like influenced a, a huge part of our lives, literally, mm. right? And so I wish more people knew about how the tech world was working because then we could have more educated decisions about these things. But it's just my own bias talking here. And I no, but I agree with you. And, and maybe I'm, I'm aware of my biases. Yeah, I'm aware yeah, of my exactly. biases, right? And I'm glad uh, not everyone knows about it because they know about all the fields that I have no clue about. They can come and repair the pipes in my flat when I have a leak uh, because I have I know nothing about plumbing and they do. So it's also the beauty of this world. It's just as a tech guy, I'm like, sometimes I look at the tech industry with a very critical uh, view and I'm like, I wish we had more open discussions about what's going on there because yeah. it's only a selected few that really make, uh, like decide the weather in this industry and this industry kind of like impacts everyone around the world. But Yeah, no, and, and you know what, I, I'm a big supporter of what you've just said there. And, and, and also for another reason, aside from just, you know, the conversation piece, actually from a talent perspective too, because we need more a diversity um, of, of thinking in the tech industry and i would like to see a lot more people get into into stem fields and tech that would never have otherwise considered it or never thought it was possible for them because of their backgrounds you know socio-economical and whatever and that i think that's a huge problem too that there is a certain elitism to some degree with what we're doing it's a lot more a lot less than say politics let's say but it's still there to a point um and i you know yeah which i think is nuts because of you know as a lot of founders have proven that I've met, you can be from any background and start a company, you can be from any background and be passionate about solving a problem and do it and found a company and, and just go. And I think I, I wish more people knew that. Like, do you know what I mean? Like not enough people know that who have, you know, who are really passionate and know and, and have unique lived experience of something that lots of us don't, you know yeah. what I mean? But yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing. Like, like as you as you spoke, I had one example that came to my mind, uh, which is a, a very good illustration of what you said. Like in my former jobs, I was a head of research in a fintech, and so I worked with this. Um, I think he was a so he was a physicist. I think he worked on particle physics, if my memory is correct. Uh, I, I mean, he, he worked on something like it was super super niche. He he worked in in this field for like twenty years. He had a he had a PhD. He, he worked in academia in this field for ages. And so what 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 we're doing we were doing a lot of cryptography research. So like securing data and like um, encryption uh, mechanisms, etc. And that was really interesting to see that. I mean, his math background was obviously uh, very very good uh, in light of his experience in physics. And sometimes we're talking about lots of things. So I'm coming from the CS angle, the computer science angle. And sometimes he was like, oh, this formula reminds me of like the relationship between atoms in this thing. Like, and it was really interesting because he was drawing connections back in his field of predilection, which was like, I think particle physics, if my memory is correct. And that was really interesting. And sometimes even when we were doing like some, I mean, we were doing research uh, pretty much on a daily basis. And so on some specific research topics, we were trying to fix a problem. And he was like, ah, yeah, okay, maybe I remember. Like, he was really drawing connections to the, to the, to the worlds of physics. Mm. And I found it very interesting to get an extra source of, of inspiration. You know, I was coming from the CS angle, and it was coming from his angle. And that's so nice because whenever you do research, in, in particular in research, like, you're facing like you're, you're, you're here, like at a given point in time, you are standing in one location and you have like a whole tree of possibilities in front of you, which is almost, um, you know, infinite. So you're trying to search for a solution within this tree, you know, trying different branches, different avenues, uh, you backtrack, you say, no, it didn't work and you try. And having more people with different, with different uh, background expertise 
opinions, cultures, anything, you know, like just a diverse team allows you to like broaden your scope of, of research, mm. eventually land on the golden solution, the one we're searching for. And you're like, here we go. Because yeah. it's all about, you know, like it's all about looking for, it's a gold rush. It's a, you, you're looking for the solution and you don't know where it is. So you try. Mm. And, and if you all look alike, then you try the same things pretty much, right? So yeah. Yeah, yeah. I find it beautiful to have people coming from different fields um, and uh, and collaborate with these people because they will do analogies you never thought about. You'll be like, oh, wow, interesting. Okay, well, mm. let's do this. So yeah, anyway. And, and you know what, like, to tie this back into another point you made earlier about the nuance and the, and, the, and the gray area and things, this is another topic that comes up a lot about, you know, workplaces and teams is about diversity. And again, people take it to the extreme and it's like it doesn't mean you need to have a team which consists of someone that represents every different race in the world it's about neurodiversity it's about experience diversity it's about educational diversity it's about that and like you know that's a really good example where the de the devil's in the details there you know because you, you you do find innovation comes from when you have a group of people in the room that can bring a lot more to the table than just you know where they're from it's about where they've been like that's <laughs> it's not where you've been born or who your genetics like that's that's got a very small part to play in the makeup of who you are it's part of you but it's a very small part of it it's about where you've been what you've done what you've read what you've seen what you've said you know those kinds of things are, are what makes a, a group of people diverse at least in my opinion i don't know but um that's where again i think the nuance is missed in these conversations you yeah. know I, I agree. Like diversity is, uh, I mean, you just mentioned a few uh, axes uh, to look diversity from, uh, like uh, a few angles to to look at diversity, but there are like so many. Yeah, exactly. agree. diversity is. A, but but that's all people see: yeah. race and gender, and it's like, dude, there's more to it than that. <laughs> there, are, there is a lot. There is a lot. Totally. I mean, I can totally understand like the the, the look uh, at race and gender in specific industries where like specific groups are underrepresented. So yeah. uh, all things equal. As a founder, you may want to make a statement and say, well, this is my contribution to solving this asymmetry in this space. You know, like if you see that, you know, black women, for instance, are totally underrepresented in the tech world and all things equal across two uh, equal profiles on the skill set basis, etc. You may want to make a, you know, a, a, um, to, to make your point and be like, no, like I want to change this industry at my scale and I'm going to be hiring this person. So I, I understand that. But to your point, diversity is so big. You have to really look at this from a very different angle. You can be two white dudes with two completely different backgrounds, two completely different skill sets, grew in different countries and stuff, uh, that are going to work really well together. So yeah, I think again, as you say, uh, nothing to add on what you said. It's it's a matter of understanding the like the the subtleties of the discussion here. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is my main takeaway so far. We're in agreement that there needs to be a lot more subtlety in communication. But again, the problem is like communication is seen as something. Um, well, first of all, people are very combative immediately in communication quite often, right? So that 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 means you can't have a conversation because if you're coming coming into an interaction combative, then immediately the conversation it hasn't even begun. It's over before it's even started. That's that's you can't you can't have an open discourse with someone that's that's closed off and doesn't isn't prepared to have their opinions changed. But more importantly, people seem to not give discussion enough time. A friendly reminder to share this episode with your network, subscribe for more and join the conversation in the comments. It really helps us out. Thank you. Right?
<laughs> you know, you can't effectively share ideas and mold each other's perspectives and shift and, and die. It's a dance. You've got to, you know, you can't rush a dance. You know, a dance needs you should take time and, and, and explore each other's movements and see see where it goes. You know, like it's got to be a little bit, you know. I don't know where I'm going with this, but you know what I mean, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I see what you mean. Like, and that people don't give it time. I mean, communication yeah. is a bi-directional thing, right? I mean, yeah. you communicate with someone, either another person or a group of people. So you have to be able to listen to communicate because um, otherwise you talk to a wall. That's not a communication. That's just you yeah. talking to yourself in front of a wall. So if you communicate, you have to listen. And I feel like um, like that's requiring effort for a lot of people. Like, just keep it shut. Listen, even if you disagree, take note. I don't know, just do something, but hear what the other person out has to say. Because if you don't listen, you don't give you a chance to be proven wrong, right? I mean, and 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 for instance, I'm gonna be talking about myself here as a founder. Communication, in my view, is the number one, well, one of the one of the top two or three skills you need to have. Well, you need to be resilient because uh, it's not a smooth ride, right? So if you expect to raise like 10 millions on day one and become a unicorn on month number number two, then maybe you should do something else. So you have to be resilient. You have to be communicative. You have to be able to be proven wrong. I think you need to put your ego back in your pocket or somewhere else and just throw it away, except to be proven wrong by even like an intern in your company. Like, who gives a shit? Like, if this person is right, just keep it shut and just say, well done. Like, acknowledge that this person has a point and move forward. As a, as a, as a founder, you should be... And probably promote them as well. I mean, <laughs> like, as, as a founder, you should be in search for the truth. And the truth can take different forms. It can be like, you know, like what the market really wants. Uh, what is the, you know, what is the next feature you should be prioritizing? Uh, like, it takes different forms, but you're in search for what's going to make your business succeed. And, mm -hmm. and that's really like, it's not subjective. It's not like you can have an opinion and, and, and think, well, this is like the next feature, what we should be pushing. You're going to push it. No one's going to give a shit about that. Uh, people will be like, I don't care about this feature. I want this. So be wrong, accept it. And so that all boils down to communication. Like mm -hmm. it's all about ego is the enemy, throw it away, have opinions, that's fine. But really try to listen to people, be respectful as well. Uh, you can be proven wrong any step of the way. And also, if you are not like, like communicating is also accepting to be wrong. Maybe I said something on this call today that I'm going to regret in two months and I'll be like, now I changed my mind. I regret it. Who cares? That's fine. I can change my opinion. Mm -hmm. And and like communicating is also accepting to be wrong. And that's the best way you have to be wrong 10 times or even 100 times to land on something promising. So even with you, with your team, when you communicate and someone comes up with an idea that you may think very deep down that it's very bad, you can be like, come on, like it's really bad. Like, like of course you have to, you have to communicate it the proper way because if you, if you smash or like you're, the people that trust you that are the early joiners in your business that are giving all their time to make the success a reality and you actually like don't, them, don't give them room to be wrong, then you're depriving yourself from a major source of inspiration and going back to the exploration trees I was saying before, all these external challenging point of views that are, like, that, that are going to broaden your scope of search within this tree to find what you're looking for, which is PMF or I don't know, like these groundbreaking research uh, projects you'll be working on, et cetera. You're going to be encoding your bias into the, into these people. Mm -hmm. Worse, literally shutting them down so that you only are the person that's going to be exploring. That's bad. So communication is key. You have to listen. You have to put the ego on the side, accept to be wrong, 
and give people room to be wrong. So as a team, you can really like strive to make your business a reality. So yeah, I think as a founder, that's really important to me. And, and even in life generally, mm. um, it's really, really key. It can be in a, your love relationship, in everything. Yeah. Like if things are not being talked about, uh, you're on the way for uh, something uh, pretty bad to happen. Um, yeah. You have to let it go. You have to you have to be honest and and and, and you can do so very respectfully. Uh, and in fact, doing it frequently is the best way to stay respectful so that frustration doesn't stack up, doesn't accumulate. Mm. You can share things as, as things go. Um, but if you if you don't communicate regularly, then frustration grows all the way. You you know, we are we are thinking beasts. So we keep thinking about that. Things become even bigger in our mind. And then, bam, we get it out and we generally like lose the right words. And, and, mm. and then we, met, we miscommunicate. Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's really, really key in life. Yeah. Yeah. And as a founder, even more. Yeah, and I, and I love the 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 um, description you gave of yourself and founders in general as of, of being truth seekers. Like I think that's a really like yeah, that's a really eloquent way of putting it. Um, that you are true, and and the truth when you find it sometimes isn't pleasant, you know. And that and, and like you said, you have to check your ego there. You have to be self aware. There has to be some amount of reflective practice there to to make sure that when you do find it, that you're not going to be too hurt by it, you know, either intellectually or emotionally or whatever. And just be resilient, like you said, and just move on. I, I yeah, I, lo I love what you said there. I'm in agreement with it. But um, I'm, I'm curious. I, I would like to switch gears a little bit and ask a bit more about because um, we, we've gone on a bit of a rant there, which is fine. That's what we do. Uh, <laughs> but, but I'm curious to know a bit more about where, where your company is now. So, um, are you funded currently? Are you currently fundraising? Uh, kind of what's going on there behind the scenes? What's going on with the team? Like, tell me a bit more about all the stuff that's going on like there behind the scenes. Yeah, of course, and uh, more than happy to talk about the team as well because um, we haven't talked about them much. So, mm, yeah. Um, so the company, like uh, the company, is called Bluetechy, um, and Yandy is Bluetechy's first and unique product for now. So, mm. uh, why why two names? Um, well, <clears throat> I'll well first when I started the company. Now I know things I didn't know I didn't know back then. So maybe I should have just uh, started the company with only one name. You know, the name of the company is the name of the product. That would be probably easier and less confusing for people. It's still not too late, I would say, to rename things. But like the reason why we have like twenty, like like uh, Blue Teshi as a as a different name as, as as a product, is because I really have like this very big vision to uh, when I when I started it and I still do like this really big vision of 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 changing the way we consume globally and, and consume with a big C, like consumption in every angle. And so mm -hmm. that's really like the, the motive of Bluteshi is to be, Bluteshi, by the way, is a contraction of three words. It's Blue Terra Shield. So the goal of this is to, to be a tech company protecting our little blue planet. You know, and I've been very inspired by, um, by this picture uh, called um, the Pale Blue Dot, I think. Right. Um, uh, where you can, I think it was, um, introduced by Carl Sagan, I think, or I don't remember, but like when you see like a satellite taking an image of the of, the, of planet Earth, like which appears tiny, tiny in the space, and it's just a reminder that sometimes we forget about it. We, we are busy living our lives, etc. But hey, we are, we are just like people, whatever that is, like just animals or living beings, like walking on a rock that's just uh, moving around the universe. Like we're nothing. And, and I, I like this analogy of being like, we are living on this tiny little blue rock. Mm. Uh, we this is the only place we know. Let's protect it. Like mm. let's, a bit of perspective. Exactly. Let's protect yeah. it. And 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 that was kind of like the inspiration between behind Blue Terrestrial. Like let's build a company. A it also sounds Japanese as well. 
It does. It does yeah. exactly. And I and I actually checked when I when I came up with Bluetooth. I was like, okay, does that mean something bad in Japanese? Or <laughs> yeah. I think it doesn't. I okay, hope good. it doesn't. So if uh, anyone will find out, you know, it's like just <laughs> it, but yeah. So anyway, that's kind of like Bluetooth. And so um, and so the goal was like you know it was kind of like the vision was Bluetooth is like the alphabet of this world uh, of the sustainability if you want, and and Gandhi is one product, and then we'll have many others. So it was kind of me being like now i know things i didn't know before and it's kind of me being too maybe ambitious first and going in all into many directions coming with like this idea of yeah we're gonna have ten thousand products i'm like okay now i know like you get pmf for one product and then you're happy and then you scale um but anyway that's uh how it is gandhi the product uh, i'm doing the long story here i'm gonna come to your question obviously yes, um, the, the name of the product is inspired from Mahatma gandhi uh, be the change you want to see in the world, etc. I like the idea of the peaceful protest, and um, I've been inspired by a few aspects of his life. Um, and I didn't want to borrow his name, like for instance, Tesla did with Nikola Tesla and others. Like I didn't want to borrow his name. His name is his name is his legacy, etc. Um, I wanted something that that sounded alike and spelled in a in a simple way with few as uh, a few letters. So uh, Gandhi only has like G N double D double E. There's not many letters. It's quite sounding well, not, not too many syllabus. So I was like, let's go for that. And um, and yeah, so now back onto the team. So I started this alone. Uh, Gluteshi was incorporated in August last year. I've done a couple of, I incorporated like as early as I knew I was going to start a company. Like I didn't wait to, like I was just like, okay, let's incorporate. So in fact, between August and end of the year, I was kind of like, like refining the idea, testing things around, etc. So it was more like, like planning more than building any product. I would mm. say. Um, I talked to investors very early on, um, which was again another mistake I probably did. In retrospect, it's not a very harmful mistake because it's always good to build relationship as early yeah. as possible. But uh, yeah. but uh, like hoping to get funding like one month in starting a company in August 2022 when the macro environment was uh, <clears throat> not great. Yeah, it's extremely optimistic. So um, yeah, so I spent some time, you know, ideating the project, refining the value proposition, uh, talking to investors, etc. And um, in uh, beginning of this year, I realized most of what people cared about was this map was this idea of shopping your values, shopping sustainable shops, uh, finding sustainable shops in one click. And that's when we actually started to build the thing. So we launched the MVP at this moment. And so I was still alone, uh, working on my own. I developed the MVP quickly, put it at the web app, etc. And then I was joined by my now co-founder, um, Kids, um, who, um, who joined me originally as a, as a part-time engineer, giving me some uh, hand on the back end. We met each other on the Slack channel, where it was a community of um, I don't remember which channel exact, exactly, but it was a community of impact founders or something like that. Mm -hmm. and he was keen to put some of his uh, some of his time on the side. He had a full time job, but he was keen to put some of his time on the side to uh, worthy cause, uh, so work in the climate tech. And uh, and so we matched. We started to work together. It was part time. Uh, we clicked pretty well. Like our working dynamics was great. Uh, I was also joined by Avi. Uh, who was working also part-time on some front-end tasks, et cetera. And so the team started to grow uh, around March, I think, or April. Um, we were three, four, um, and um, and yeah, that's where we are. So we've been fully bootstrapping, very, very lean, uh, literally like uh, like we burn very little cash every month. Like, uh, you know, like we are in the mode of 
like the current macro environment is not great. So we have to play the game of survival and survive as, as long as we can so that we give ourselves as many chances to land PMF as possible. Um, and also um, now, like, I think it just makes more sense, right? Let's get our act together. You know, let's build uh, a viable business. Let's build something people want. Let's delight our consumer, our customers, our users. And then once we have that, we have a very strong um, hand to welcome external investors, to pour fuel on a fire, as opposed to helping us start the fire. So, so mm -hmm. now this is really what we do. We are very lean burning, very little cash. The team is a team of four. We have like two part-time engineers. Enkid um, um, joined me uh, as a co-founder and CTO. Um, I am the uh, CEO, so we are both co-founders full-time on that. And uh, that's where we are. We are accelerated by EZADE in Barcelona, uh, the oh. business school. Mm -hmm. um, so they are giving us some hands. We've been part of the Better Future programs in the uh, Greater London Authority. So we worked with Sustainable Ventures as part of this program as well. It was pretty good. Um, and uh, yeah, now we are going to be looking for fundraising. We are going to launch the mobile app very soon, as I said, in a matter of days. And uh, then it's going to be switching back to fundraising mode and using mm -hmm. the existing KPIs to actually demonstrate our science of tractions and, and uh, find um, investors that are sharing our mission. Yeah, and hopefully, the, obviously, the release of the app, I assume they'll be, you know, once you start getting in, back into investor mode, that takes a you know, good month or two to get back in the flow of things. And yeah. so we're, during that time, you should see a, a decent amount of, uh, of of growth in traction to, to present to your investors. But I'm curious, as uh, you know, right back at the early stages, you know, you mentioned before about how you got a considerable amount of feedback that shaped your idea of what it was that you wanted to focus on, which was the idea of the map and all of this sort of stuff. How did you go about getting this information and interacting with people? Like what platforms did you use? What what did you do? Were you going out in the streets? Were you knocking on doors? Were you what were you doing? How were you getting that 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 market research, I suppose? Yeah, totally. I tried I've done I've carried out a lot of experiments and I still do actually. So um well first when I was on my own I was like, you know what? Like I did a couple of days around London where I had my backpack. I had a couple of flyers like with a QR code scanning to the web app and I was knocking at doors. Um literally I no shame. I was like, let's do this, you know, let's yeah. let, let's see how it goes. It can only be a learning experience if people like like slam the door in front of my face, so be it. I need to get better at pitching. You yeah. know, that's the way. Like honestly, no shame. I didn't matter. It doesn't matter for me. Um, I talked to businesses as well that were, uh, you know, with the businesses listed on the map. Visited them. Visited the um, businesses that looked alike. Being like, hey guys, we have this great map. Um, I'm sure you'll be interested. Hearing what they had to say. Uh, some of them like put our flyers and put it on their doors. Like, wow, that's amazing. Let's put it on the door. Like crazy. Sometimes they, they were almost like showing me the door. Like, uh, okay, just uh, I don't know what you want. Like, I'm, I'm no, I don't want to buy your thing. Just go out. I was mm. like, there's nothing to buy. Like, just hear me out. Let you know this is how things work, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I did a bit of this. Um, uh, you know, I think it's uh, you know we are humans, so a bit of human interaction cannot cannot hurt. Um, uh, a couple of online experiments as well with some very, very small advertising budgets. Like we're just talking like 10, 20 pounds, just a couple of things, very, very targeted, like audiences, uh, like defining the target persona and just figuring out like like the, the, the areas of London where people were clicking the most, et cetera. Just like, again, gathering extra data at low cost, I would say. Um, what else? Like I've organized some referral challenges, gamifying the process where we were saying like, Hey, we have like the, the web app with uh, maybe at the time we had like 200 shops listed or something like that. I don't remember how many we had at the time. 
And if you refer like every 10 referrals, so you could come register, like there was a form, you could say like, you can register to our newsletter, uh, tell us a bit who you are, like your, so we understand a bit the demographics. And every time, and then at the end of the registration, you were given a code. And every time like some, you were referring someone, someone came referred by this code, you were given points. And so we organized the leaderboard so we could see who was the best um, uh, uh, referrer in the area. Uh, so it was just a matter of like building a little bit of a status game, right? So competing mm. with each other. And every 10, every 10 referrals, um, then we unlocked 10 new locations on the map. So again, the, the goal was to make utility grow as the user base was growing. Mm. Uh, to make sure that hey, you get something out of it. You know, you don't get any monetary compensation. You don't get any get giveaway like uh, like a cheap trip to Dubai or whatever. It's not aligning with, with what we do. However, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have an incentive to refer your people because then you can get your name high on the leaderboard. That's kind of funny if you want to brag about it. And also, mm. we list more shops. So if you want to 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 find more places, then uh, spread the word. So mm. we did. I tried lots of different things. I'm sure I'm forgetting a, a few, but that's pretty much how it worked. I did a couple. That's really cool. That, that, sorry, really quickly, I've got to ask. Right? That 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 what you the last thing you just mentioned there. So is that something that the solution that you built yourself was that a bespoke solution, or did you use third party tool to manage all of this sort of referral process? No, I built it myself. Uh, wow. Built it myself using existing tools, but uh, I wrote a couple of scripts myself. It was a bit hackish under the hood. Uh, that was not supposed to be seen by people, so uh, no yeah, one yeah, knows yeah. exactly what was written. But uh, no, it's something I've done myself using. Wow, that's it's impressive. Good. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, no, I mean that was interesting, and and so yeah, I also did a couple of uh, user interviews. Um, so talking, for instance, to friends, uh, being like, "Hey, don't be my friend. Tell me like honestly, please." Mm -hmm. And of course, I know friends, and you know your close relatives have a bias still, even if you're them to act in a certain way. So then I try to uh, connect with friends of my friends. So expanding a bit my social graph to talk to people I didn't know about. And so I ended up being on calls with people even outside of the of London, which is the primary city we're launching in, talking to people in Scotland, people in maybe like even in other parts of the UK, having calls with them being like, hey, thanks for taking the time. So I'm a friend of the of this person who you know, like just, you know, like quite far in the, in the social graph, being mm -hmm. like, do you mind if we answer a couple of questions? And because they came from someone who knew someone who knew someone that would know me, then, you know, that kind of worked. And mm -hmm. that's my question in a pretty honest way. And that was another way for me to gather data. So I just tried lots of different things and everything I tried was an opportunity for me to get data. Mm -hmm. um, and I did it in a very, I kept a very open mind. I was like, no shame. If people on the call tell me your product is shit, I would never use it. Thank you so much for your time. I'm taking notes. Like yeah, yeah. I'm noting the profile. What is the profile of this person? Okay, this type of profile, then trying to cross the data together, being like, okay, well, maybe our target personnel doesn't look like that. Maybe it looks like this, talking to people in the street, et cetera. So, yeah, well, this is what I was going to ask as well. You, you preempted my next question, which is how were you how were you logging this data? Like, you know, is there a is there a framework that we're using, some some way you could explain this so that maybe others listening could take that away and kind of go, oh, I could I could replicate that. Well, I mean, to be honest, um, there's um, like, I'm doing a lot of things that do not scale uh, yet, right? So we don't have a crazy mm -hmm. BI infrastructure where it's all like one dashboard and you get it. Mm -hmm. uh, I've been using like basic things such as Google Forms, you know, like very low tech, uh, you can get everything in a spreadsheet. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's quite easy. Uh, I've been using like, likewise, for instance, the user interviews I did, I also had like a form, which I was filling as I was on the call with people. So it was all stored in CSV formats. Um, like uh, the, the registration process, likewise, some forms in the process here, so you could actually understand who's on your who's on your newsletter, who's not. Um, 
for sending emails for the newsletter, for instance, then you can use things like uh, MailChimp, which, uh, which have a free deal. Uh, you cannot use their competitors. I have no affiliation with them. I don't care. Um, so to be honest, no, I just use like a lot of no-code tools as much mm -hmm. as I could. And most of them, as far as I know, they have like some CSV exports. And then yeah. because I'm a bit, I'm kind of like tech savvy, what I do is I take all my CSVs. Generally, I'm trying to be consistent with the titles of the of the of the of the entries in the form. So the the, the CSV columns are pretty much names the same. And then I just have uh, some Jupyter notebooks in Python where I'm aggregating everything, and I have my own dashboard. So I built my dashboard in Python. You do this if you know Python. You do this in like two hours. Mm -hmm. You spend this data frame. You import all your CSV in a data frame. You just render it. It's really easy. And I add like most of the data across all my different uh, um, uh, experiments aggregated in one source and i could actually um, uh, use this source uh, to take decisions so it's a you know a bit of manual work but uh, why take a bazooka when uh, you know you're getting started there's no point so i'd yeah. rather do things that don't scale to do things that scale later than trying to spend all my time energy and money trying to build some crazy stuff for a business that's not going to work you know you never know so you have to yeah, that's what I what I did. Yeah, and I suppose like to for, for those that don't have the, the the sort of experience and sort of skills that you have, like you said, you can use no code solutions that are out there, like Google Forms and yeah. Sheets and all that, and and probably get a similar similar result. Um, maybe not quite the same aggregate, but you could definitely do do very similar things from a market research perspective. It's just about making sure you're asking the right questions, right? Exactly. I mean, to be honest, today you have like so many tools, you just need to do a couple of research, but mm -hmm. you, have, you even have like tools uh, that allow you, so you have, you maybe have to, you may have to pay 20 pounds a month or something like that. But again, you have to make your like, your your time cost analysis here, because if yeah. you, like your time, like two hours of your time is pro as a founder is probably going to be worth much more than 20 pounds. So you're probably better off like just saying, you know, like just take my money, my 20 pounds a month and save me a lot of time. And you can use things like Hootsuite or uh, competitors for aggregating your social media stuff as well. So you can have like statistics across your social channels. You don't mm -hmm. have to do anything bespoke. There are like a lot of tools. And if you take like a couple of hours just to search the market and figure out which tool is the best one for your needs, and for in terms of prices, you can pick one. You also have like a couple of like free trials on SEO tools that you can use to figure out what are your organic, what are your gross channels, uh, how people are landing on your website. You can use the Google Search Console as well to understand how many clicks you get on the Google Search. There are like so much around. But to be honest, I think it's your job as a founder to identify that because every business is different. Every business has uh, gross channels which are different. You know, like what we do is B2C. It's going to be very different maybe for a B2B business. Mm. They won't care much about the social channels because they will be like, I don't really care. We have like one or two sales in-house in and, you know, they have like their address book or something like this. It's going to be different for every business. You just need to understand which channels matter to you. Um, these channels will change. These KPIs that you're tracking will change as well. Mm. I don't think you have to track every KPI. I don't think you have to track all the KPIs you hear on uh, YouTube videos, like all this crazy stuff. You don't care. Just identify what the KPIs matter to you, what channels matter, and identify which tools give you access to this data in an easy way. Mm. Maybe give them 20 or 30 bucks a month, and, uh, and, uh, and that's it. So yeah. Yeah, you're right. And the uh, yeah, it changes from stage to stage of the business. And and as you get more information, it's going to dictate what you need to do next as well. So it's a constantly evolving thing. That's why I like what you said about when you incorporate the business to when you actually sort of started doing anything with the business, you spend a lot of time thinking and researching and taking your time. And that's good time 
And I think people need to be a bit more patient in that regard of just taking their time to do a lot of this planning and research before they actually go ahead. It's like, well, do you have your ducks in a row? What do you have what you need in order to go out and execute it? But then there is also something to be said of just getting off your ass and doing it, right? Yeah, so yeah, like yeah. like you were saying about, I, I love the fact that you were knocking on doors and speaking and calling with people. Like I tell people to do that all the time, that they're terrified to do it, but you've got to just go say, fuck it. I need to go and speak with people that yeah. you have to, because you can have an idea, but unless you can speak to people and find out if your idea is any good, or if it can be improved or whatever, then there's no point. Like you can, otherwise you can spend a huge amount of time and money building something no one wants. So yeah, first thing to do, if you're not sure, go and ask people. It's not that complicated. <laughs> Just go and ask people, you know, you want to sell, I don't know, to, to sandwich shops, this bespoke software solution, go to every fucking sandwich shop in a certain radius around you and ask them, would this be useful? Would, would you want this? What are the main problems that you have, et cetera, et cetera, you know? Yeah. And try not not ask bias questions too. That's a big problem I see a lot of. Agreed. And uh, and for instance, as a founder, I made this mistake. Now uh -huh. again, like you know, I know things today that I didn't know before, and I will know things in two months that I didn't know today. So I totally agree. Like, but practice makes perfect. It's as you mm. talk to people that you realize oh, I didn't ask the right question. I, I left the call. There's still this thing I don't know about. I need to polish my thing. And so that's the way it is. Like, again, yeah. no one can come and tell you, you can read like the mom test book and all these things. Great, of course, like there's a lot of insights you can get from people who have done it before you, but every business is different. So you right. also have to try, like there's a balance to be struck between reading all the books in the world, reading every inspirational quote, watching every YouTube video. Yeah, you can do that. You can do this a fair bit because people have knowledge you don't and so they can give you some head start, but you also have to get your hands dirty to figure out what your business is all about, to figure out whether you're solving people's problem. Of course, it's not going to completely de-risk the thing because you're going to be talking to a sample of people. Like you're going to be, you're going to try to come up with a target person as maybe you may, you can miss the, the, yeah. like the, the shot. And you're you still have to make some assumptions. Exactly. You make some yeah. assumptions that you verify along the way, but you have to try it out. And, and to me, that's really important. Like, um, again, like, when I like, I remember in one particular shop, that was funny. The guy I was talking about, like Gandhi, to, uh, about the guy was so confused. He was like, he didn't want to hear, he didn't want to talk to me. And so that was probably like the most, like the best thing because when people, you, you pitch them and they, and they click, they get the idea, you get nothing out of the discussion. I mean, mm. you get that, you maybe you get a potential customer, you have an extra lead or something like that. That's great. But mm. your pitch, didn't get it didn't improve i remember one day i i left the thing i was so embarrassed as like honestly i thought the guy was going to call security on me and i'm super respectful but, but the guy was so confused and he was he was kind of like busy with customers and i i, I just i just messed it up right i mean like, yeah, yeah. Messed yeah. It up. and I, I don't think i did something fundamentally right but it was not the right moment of the day to go and talk to the guy the guy was confused he, he, he didn't want to bother and so i left the shop being so embarrassed and i was like okay now I have something to learn from. Like now, yeah. like, like who cares? I was the only fucking guy in this store. No one knows me. Like, and I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. You know, and then I actually went and I was trying to pull it to things. So at the end of the day, I have a lot of opinions about these things because I think sometimes it's very tempting to delay over delegate too soon. And, you know, being like, oh, I'm scared to do like the sailing. So I'm going to hire a sale. Oh, I'm scared to do. Oh, I'm uh, I'm not good at doing a, a, a doing a social media communication. So I'm going to hire someone to do this. 
Well, first you have to try to know whether you're good or not, right? Because maybe maybe you're good at something. Maybe maybe you're very good at social content creation, but you don't know it. Maybe you're gonna start putting a couple of posts together. You're gonna have crazy engagement. Everyone's gonna reason about it. So try it to see whether you're genuinely bad at it or not. Like, again, it doesn't matter what you think. It matters you're building something for users to use. So what do you users think? It doesn't care what you what you think. Like every like next week or in two weeks, you can install Gandhi and tell me, Antoine, I think this feature is shit. Well, great. Tell me what you want. I'm going to do what you want. You're my user. You're the king, right? I mean, I'm here to delight you. Like without you, I don't have a business, right? I mean, mm -hmm. I don't care to do something. Otherwise, it's a side project or, you know, so like, I don't know. You have to try to know what you're good at and to define whether or not you're good at, you need to see what your users think, etc. That's mm -hmm. one thing. So try it out. So don't delegate too quick. Um, and also delegating costs money, like in the early stages of a company. I mean, unless yeah. Unless you get everyone to work for equity, which is possible as well. You know, you have to sell the project properly. People work for equity. Uh, that's also a very good thing to do in my view, because I mm. like to get people in the team to get exposure to the success of what they create. So I think mm. it's very good. But if you want people to work full time or, so, or something like that, then uh, they need to build deals, right? I mean, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. uh, so like delegating can cost money and can also be quite bad because not only you, if you're not good at something or if you're not sure what you should be looking at, you cannot hold people accountable. You cannot know what a good sale is if you've never sold something in your life. You like, there's always a balance again. I'm, I'm annoying because I always go back to this gray area, but of course you don't want to be in this extreme where you're like yeah. delegating on day one, because I think it's kind of, kind of toxic. It's your business, you're the founder, like get your shit together, understand your business ins and out, and then you delegate. And you don't want to never delegate because otherwise you become the bottleneck of your own business, which is bad. But it's about the timing of it. It's a time and a place. You know, you've got, you've got, like you said, every business is different and you will know when you're doing it, when it's the right time to do these things. Yeah. Because you'll reach a bottleneck. You'll reach a point. Let's say you're going to start fundraising. You can no longer keep selling to your clients. You need to go and have time to delegate to that. You know, and, and it's about just, there are some, I think there are some frameworks of these things that kind of give you a rough outline of when you should do these things and not. But yeah. like you said, very rightly so, it is in the details and it's in the gray area because it's about the individual situation. I would add as well to your point about, you know, you don't know if you're bad at something until you do it. It's also okay just to be okay at something, right? Because sometimes that's all you need. You don't need to be great yeah. at it. You just need it to be done. And that's okay. And it's the same with sales. And it's the same with marketing and all these things. You just need to have it done. It doesn't need to be done amazingly well. In fact, the chances are it will probably be quite shit to begin with. And that's okay. At least it's being done. And to your point, you, you will learn from it. You will get better at it. You won't be perfect at it. And that's okay. But at least it's being done. And the problem is a lot of people I speak to, especially, they're just paralyzed by the fact that they, it needs to be done. And they don't know how to do it, that it never happens. And that's that's not useful for anyone. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? I absolutely agree with this. Like, yeah, just get it done. It needs to be perfect. In fact, few things are perfect because yeah. in, your, in your user base, some people will have opinions. They will say, oh, I'm confused by this um, aspect of your app or your whatever SaaS, uh, B2B SaaS uh, software, whatever. And some others will be like, no, it's working well. So again, yeah. like, that's okay. It's not perfect. Is it working well on average? Like, do I get what I need? Do I get my objectives filled? Um, like, that's exactly, you couldn't agree more. You need so, to apply a bit of common sense in the whole thing as well, right? A bit yeah. of common sense, a bit of, you know, understanding the situation and, and, and all that. But, uh, but yeah, I just realized the time. Fucking hell, how do we, how do we manage to get um, to the end already? 
Uh, that's nuts. So um, this always happens. <laughs> it always just catches me off guard. Um, well, look, I, I, I usually like to end with a very brief, uh, a, a, which we've kind of already done, um, a brief summary of like some tips that you would give. But we've already done that, really, in this, like we've just talked about it. So I'm going to ignore that as the normal ending. Instead, I wouldn't mind, if you wouldn't mind indulging um, me really, really quickly, how does the business make money or how does the business intend to make money? Because we haven't touched on that. What's the revenue opportunities for the business? And then I'll let you go. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm very pleased to share this as well. Um, so we are building, like what we do is kind of a marketplace, right? We connect the demand side with the supply side. So the demand side is like people like you and I who want to shop more sustainably in one click, who don't want to, who want to do so hassle-free. Mm. And the supply side are like shops that try to grow their audience and market shares and just make their business grow and access the very audience we are building. So um, what we want to do is we don't want to add the frictions we are trying to remove for the, for the consumer. If I'm asking you to pay for the app, like, what's the point? Like, most people will say, you know what? No, like, I can yeah. get, uh, I can shop uh, free for free or some, somewhere else. So the goal is mostly to monetize the marketplace on the business side of things providing businesses with um, like premium packages uh, for them to access uh, a detailed analytics about how they are doing on the platform, how they can better stand out on the platform, fully control their image on the platform, engage with their audience on the platform. So really giving them a way to fully control their image on the platform. And that's one thing to monetize. Again, I've talked to businesses about that. For now, we are not making anyone pay because there you have a bootstrap um, you know, aspect. And the goal really, again, I'm being fully transparent here and things can change as we go, but the goal really is to offer a premium package for businesses as well. Like I don't want the like the family run business with two employees to be like bottleneck because they cannot mm. pay, they cannot afford to be listed. First, we want to make the listing very uh, like the, the premium package to be very affordable on a monthly basis. So it shouldn't be a, a strange for any business. But also we want to make it free. You can get listed for free. But if you want to unlock some premium features, then we are a business. We have to make money and we're going to bring utility to you to help you grow as a business. So we have to find a middle ground. And this middle ground is you paying some monthly subscription. Mm -hmm. So that's a very natural thing. I've talked to businesses about that. They're totally, I mean, the ones I talked to, they were like, well, I mean, of course, uh, like uh, that makes mm -hmm. sense. If, if, if I'm paying you one pound and you give me 120 in return, like, uh, of course, guys, just take my money. Like, Standard economics, yeah. Exactly. So, <laughs> Like that makes total sense for them. That's something we are polishing. Uh, it's it's going to be a freemium regardless because we really want to uh, keep the door open for these small businesses that mm. are trying to make uh, you know like uh, to to be as sustainable as they possibly can. So it's going to be a, a rich premium. And another thing that's monetizable is the data we have because um, we have actually quite a lot of data about physical shops, um, the physical sustainable shops um, uh, listed on Gandhi. And that's of interest to uh, a couple of actors that are looking to access some of these data to take better local uh, decisions. So um, we've already have a couple of a couple of people interested in our data. So our data set is an asset that we are building as we propose the product, and that's an asset that we aim to leverage in the future um, uh, in the best possible way. So um, there are like different monetization avenue. Uh, there may be also like premium packages on the on the user side of things. Uh, you know, like very kind of like niche premium features as you can see on many social networks nowadays you know like where now you can pay on on x you can pay on strava for instance if you want to be a premium user of strava you can pay on on um uh on i think you can pay on duolingo as well you can mm -hmm. you can pay as well so now a lot of b2c come with like premium on the on the user side of things on the c aspect as well where they give you access to like 
80% of the platform for free. But if you want to unlock this sweet 20% that's really like giving you a, a, a ton of extra value, then you have to pay. So mm. all of this, again, I'll be honest, is mostly to be refined and, and, of course. and yeah. better as we go. Um, for now, we are really building the uh, like the marketplace, so both sides of the marketplace, growing the number. Because our goal is, I think it also it also makes more sense on the business side of things, right? I'm being very transparent here. Like, why would I ask you as a business to pay me if I'm not providing you with like like exponential utility, right? I mean, right. like give like my rule is more give give give. And once you've given enough, then you're legitimate to ask. But don't go and ask guys like pay us. Pay us for what? Like what the fuck? Like uh, you guys have like uh, three users. Well, of course we have more, but you see what I mean. So yeah, that, that's the, that's the marketplace uh, like dilemma a lot of the time is the chicken exactly. and egg scenario that you've got to, to face. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. like bring the eggs to to get the chickens to some extent, right? I mean like bring mm -hmm. the man to get the supply or bring the supply to get the demand. Whatever whatever side you you, you choose to uh, to build first. Mm -hmm. But really, our goal now is focusing on utility really solving people's pain point, empowering both sides of the marketplace, giving sustainable businesses a bigger access, like easier access to the audience they're trying to get access to, helping them strive as businesses and helping people uh, that are trying to shop more sustainably do so in a, in a hassle-free way. And then once we've done that, I think we've, we would have proven our point and will be legitimate to work with the supply and demand side of the marketplace to figure out what's the best way of monetizing. Mm -hmm. What exactly do they need? Like, how can we bring even more values to them? And and it, would this value be worth like five pounds a month? Would it be like 10 pounds a month? And then we can actually go into like pricing uh, aspect as well. For now, it's pretty much like building building the, the marketplace. So I'm being yeah. very honest, but that's really the monetization avenue. It's a classic marketplace play here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. I appreciate it. And thanks for being on. Like we've got to we've got to call it there. But um, and like I said, it always goes a lot quicker than, <laughs> than I, it seems to get quicker and quicker every time I record an episode. But there we go. Um, but yeah, I'll let you go. I'm sure you've got well, you have got a lot to do. So I'm going to let you go off and do it. But I really appreciate you being on with me today. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I certainly did. And uh, and, I, and I'm sure we'll speak again soon. Um, in fact, I have a feeling that we definitely will. Um, but uh, yeah, good luck with the app launch in 10 days. Good luck with the fundraising soon after that um, and everything else. I, I, yeah, as I say to everyone on, on this show, you've got a cheerleader in me. I, I, I can't wait to see where this all goes. And um, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be fantastic and very successful. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, Greg. Very good to talk to you and we'll be in touch for sure. Likewise. All right. Awesome. Well, have a great weekend. Yes, it's Friday. I just remembered. Have a, yeah, have a great weekend. And uh, yeah, we'll speak soon. Cheers, Greg. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching and or listening. Please like, subscribe and join the conversation in the comments below.